For 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free, thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash dlcpod. They bring the show to you out of the goodness of their hearts, their generosity, their support makes this show possible, and you can be one of them if you choose to. Oh, you get some cool stuff, including ad-free versions of the show video versions uh back catalog of video versions of all the shows you get bonus content you get the uh the entire first season of a show called feeling this where christian spicer and alex solman talk about the feelings behind video games and at the cool ranch level oh boy do you get a fun show it's the wednesday show we call paid dlc featuring one Lana Bashinsky joining Christian and I on uh, a wild romp of uh, who knows what every single week. It's a delight. And uh, it's only for the folks that support the show at the Cool Ranch level. You can find out all about that stuff at patreon.com slash DLC pod. But this show, the main show, DLC, it's the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also, games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. This spell with two N's and one T. And I'm usually joined by Christian Spicer, but it turns out he can't do more than a couple of shows in a row. <laughs> so, uh, once again, the show is improved because, ladies and gentlemen, we have the aforementioned, the awesome, the delightful Lana Bashinsky back with us, a second chair. Lana, how are you? Hi, I'm so good. It is uh, bright and early on Sunday morning. And you know, I love this, the motivation to get out of bed early, start the day off, especially to get some like talking time in before the large concert that they set up outside my apartment building starts blasting all day again. It's great. It's a great, great what thing. What concert is outside your building? I think it's called Cali Vibes Fest, but there's two oh. massive stages that they set up, which is like, ooh, pretty exciting, but you can't actually hear anything. It's just like noise bouncing off each other until the headliners come out. Last night was Snoop Dogg. Whoa. Uh, you can hear them pretty pretty clearly. And then uh, tonight is a bit of a pivot in genre, Jack Johnson. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's like a fun place to be, but like the all day, every day, just like lots of noise happening gives a little bit of a madness so i'm happy to have a little bit of peace and quiet for a bit yeah yeah this is uh the calm after the snoop dogs we like to call (laughs) exactly Uh, exactly. that's what happens lana when you live in a cool place (laughs) with cools all around you all the cool basically you're getting free concerts delivered right to your door (laughs) free concerts delivered in the echoiest slash di- most distant way, you know, it's like cool to look at it. Like people are certainly having fun 
a bit over there. That could be me. You're I know like, the fun's happening. You're like rear window over here with your just like, Meh. staring at the people. <laughs> Stop having fun. I'm just on my balcony just shaking my fist at you kids. <laughs> well, that is definitely the tone of DLC. So we've already we've already nailed it. Uh, shaking our fist at the at the youngs. Um, <laughs> hey, we have a we have a big show for you. Got lots lots to dig into, and we have an awesome guest to do that with. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata. Sometimes it stands for your downlandable content. Good, very good. Thank you, thank you. But this week, for the first time, I think ever, we have a guest who submitted their own DLC acronym. <laughs> I'm very excited because DLC stands for Dedicated Learner of Children because we have the editor-in-chief of the Gaming Outsider podcast as well as fourth grade teacher at Maud E. Johnson School. It's Scott L. Clark joining us for the first time. What's up, Scott? Hey, Jeff. So nice to meet you, man. It's uh, an honor to be here. I am very excited to talk with you, and, uh, and it's, I'm just very, very happy. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, we're delighted to have you. It's It's been a, a long time coming, but I'm so glad it, it I finally got around to uh, finally got around to it. I'm sorry it took me so long, but uh, I want to know in this world of uh, ubiquitous video games and ubiquitous screens, mm-hmm. what's the experience of uh, being a fourth grade teacher? Is it more frustrating? I mean, you are a, you're a gamer. You're a, you do a gaming podcast. You have some cool cachet with your students what's what's the situation oh definitely being a video game fan helps in the classroom Uh, my room is decorated (laughs) all over the place with video games my back wall is legend of zelda i've got uh it's dangerous to go alone here take this and they've got books sitting there um i've got my window just filled with amiibos uh we have uh, whenever we take any kind of assessment i have a, a a little grocery basket full of amiibos and they get to have one on their desk of their choice as their quote-unquote study buddy. Amazing. Um, I've got a TV with a Switch in there. I've got an NBA Jam arcade cabinet. Um, I bring my, my Oculus Quest in once in a while for them to play. So, yeah, they, wow. they all know I love video games. And uh, I relate to most of them quite a bit with that, which is, which is very helpful. You're my son's dream teacher. <laughs> uh, I get that a lot. <laughs> do you get any pushback from the parents on any of that stuff? I really don't actually. I, uh, they're actually a lot more positive because, uh, especially during during COVID, uh, I was actually teaching remotely, so mm. I still had to go to school. But I had to, I had all my kids on a Google Meet, and uh, you know, in between classes or over lunch or even after school, I would actually meet up with them and play Among Us. And wow. uh, I was playing Roblox with them, which was an experience. Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if I ever want to do that again on purpose. But uh, um, and, and the parents would get in on it and they would just have a lot of fun and, and watch and they just really appreciated it. So um, I get more pushback from teachers, honestly, that are like, oh, video games. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're just wasting time. Blah, blah, blah. But uh, the parents are usually actually pretty cool with it because they they know their kids are into it and, and it uh, helps them relate to their teacher a little bit. And. They're going to they're going to hopefully do a little bit harder work, you know, if they can do that. So, well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We have the coolest teacher ever uh, <laughs> on the show. Uh, it's Scott L. Clark. Uh, excited to have you. Excited to jump in. So let's do it. Let's start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback 
at gmail.com. You can also send comments, questions, stories, fun, quips, anything you'd like us to hear. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send that stuff. The other way to reach out to us and be a part of the community is by visiting our Discord, which is 5x5DLC on Discord. Really fun folks hanging out there. Uh, and uh, you can also do the, visit the subreddit, which is 5x5DLC.reddit.com. Two great places to find folks that also listen to the show, to reach out to us, to interact. It's great. Check it out. We recommend it. Scott, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? It did seem a little light this week on news, but I wanted to mention this trailer for the Tetris movie that was revealed this past week because uh, I remember when they announced this Tetris movie like years ago. And I remember we all were kind of like, how in the world are you going to make a a movie out of Tetris? You know, they made Battleship. They've done all kinds of other video games. And it never occurred to me that they might make a biopic until I saw this trailer. (laughs) Yeah, you kind of feel I kind of feel dumb for uh, talking about giant Tetraminos falling out of the sky (laughs) and invading Earth. I really uh, did. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 there was so many. I remember we did a whole episode, uh, Christian and I, theorizing about uh, all the different ways you could make Tetris uh, into a really dumb sci-fi movie. And here you go. Uh, oh, maybe it's actually interesting how Tetris, the video game, was made, uh, it, the real story <laughs> of it. Yeah. And here's what's what's really cool about it, why it struck a chord with me so much, is uh, the last time I was at E3 – I was trying really hard to get into a an appointment with Tommy Tallarico to see the Amico. Mm. And the guy that was at the, I wouldn't say booth, but like the little office space, whatever that they have there, standing outside it actually let me in to see the Amico, which was kind of cool. And I didn't have any idea who he was. It turns out I'm 90% sure it was this guy, Hank Rogers, because oh, yeah? he, was the, he, he told me that he was responsible for bringing uh, Tetris over to the United States from Russia. So oh, wow. I don't remember his name and I had no idea who he was at the time, but I'm kind of kicking myself for not like talking to him more or trying to invite him on, on our show to talk about it. Because it's just this trailer makes the whole story look way more fascinating than I ever had any inkling of an idea. So I'm, I'm stoked for this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any, anybody who's listened to this show for any period of time knows that uh, we think Tetris is the objectively best uh, video game of all time. Uh, and, and all, you know, we know that it is a Russian and it was kind of created uh, in the middle of the cold war. It's, but I'm like you, I didn't realize that there might be a, an entire layer of, uh, of drama and and interesting uh, espionage, uh, yeah, espionage, <laughs> full on, full on, like it's, it's a hunt for Red October with Tetraminos. Yeah, uh, it looks like at least uh, Taryn Edgerton plays uh, Hank Rogers, uh, and uh, Alexei uh, uh, Pajitnov is um, you know, obviously the creator of, of Tetris. Uh, this is the story of how this is, was brought over and became this this sensation. I think this is great. I want more video game based. Uh, you know, uh, sort of docu stories or or mm-hmm. biopics, as you call them. Mm. I, you know, I I know that the story of the Atari is fraught with chaos. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to make that movie. Um, <laughs> Lana, what do you think? Are you are you sad we're not getting uh, some sort of battleship esque uh, <laughs> f- fantasy story about Tetris? No way! I'm delighted. I am delighted for what this is. Not only because the story of Tetris, the IRL story of Tetris is so fascinating 
for what it is. But I'm so excited and curious to see these interesting things that they're doing with the visuals that they have like little hints of in the trailer. You know, you see the ripple of like the Tetris blocks being the office building. You see the car chase scene turn into like a top-down pixel art game. There's clearly going to be some kind of um, like elevation of the the visuals to tell this, the emotions of this story. And I'll be very curious to see how that, how, how consistent it feels or how cohesive it feels and really what it adds versus I fear that it might take for some people move it into like a silly space, but I'm hoping that it's just like very, it just looks cool. It just looks sick. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, I think it's kind of taking this idea of the Tetris effect, you know, that we've yes. all heard of, but when you play Tetris enough, you sort of see Tetris shapes in everyday life and kind of taking that and running with it in a cinematic way which I think mm. is a, a pretty cool mm-hmm. approach. Um, Plus it just makes me want to know what other crazy, interesting stories there are in the video game industry that we don't know. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, mm-hmm. I mean, they're like smuggling this game out of Russia and I had no idea. Like, why is that gotta be a thing? Why is like the, the Russian <laughs> KGB like involved in a video game? I, I just, I'm fascinated. And I want to hear more stories like it. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. I mean, they have somebody in the in the cast list playing Mikhail Gor- Gorbachev. So, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's going to the highest reaches of government. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to check it out. Um, mm-hmm. Especially with it being on Apple TV, because yeah. I, I, between Ted Lasso and Severance, I have I have yet to be disappointed by Apple TV. So I'm, I think if there's finally enough that I will be forced to get another subscription. I've been holding off, even though there's so much good stuff. That was like the one thing I was like, oh, Apple TV. <laughs> are you a, are you an Android user, Lana? Uh, y- yes, I have a Google Pixel 7. Okay. Well, I'm not – I'm not – I don't need to be defensive about it. I wasn't accusing you of anything. I just was wondering <laughs> – because I, I don't even subscribe to Apple TV. It just happens because I have an iPhone, you know? Oh, just to, because you, know. you are part of the cult. Yes, yes, yes. One of us. Right, One right, right, us. right, right. I have. Uh, I was indoctrinated in 2007, <laughs> and now I can't – there's no pulling out. I broke out of there, man. I had to get free. I'm, I'm yeah. reformed. I'm in too deep, baby. In too deep. Just like Some the creator of Tetris. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, no, the creator of Tetris. <laughs> I'm waiting for that one straight piece to get me out of this predicament that I'm in. It never comes. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> uh, the uh, Tetris film is coming to Apple TV March 31st, so we don't have to wait too long to even uh, experience it. It's coming soon. About a, a little over a month away. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, uh, Lana, what is your story of the week? Um, my story of the week, well, the, it's the, it, the title of the, of the article is that Civ 7 is currently in development, though that's not the piece I care about because I've never played any of the Civilization games. What? But I know. I'm a terrible gamer. Um, no, but- <laughs> no, I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> but I, I do love the, uh, so there's a piece of the article about Jake Solomon uh, who has been at Firaxis for a very long time and was the creative director of XCOM, uh, Marvel's, Marvel's Midnight Suns, is sort of, I, I believe, like the key person who is sort of responsible for making XCOM popular X-Com. again. Yeah, making XCOM um, XCOM. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and he is departing the company. And I think it's interesting that those two are part of each other. I don't know if, I don't know how Firaxis works. I don't know how big Firaxis is. Uh, I don't know if they have like the one team that's always doing Civ and then other teams doing things where it's like everybody's rolling on to Civ 7 now and Jake Solomon's like, mm, not for me. 
peace out. But no matter what, I'm always fascinated to see somebody who is working at the highest sort of level of their craft and, you know, working on something that is, uh, which seems to be like their baby. And then they're like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with that that part of my life and moving yeah. on to this next chapter. And it makes me so curious and excited for Jake being like, cool, man, what's your next chapter? Like, what does that look like for you? Is it like more of the same, but I like a different company. You just want more ownership of the thing. Like I always am interested in the dynamics of what causes somebody to be in that position and say, it's time for something now. I agree. I think that's fascinating. It's, it's so curious. Like what prompts that? Uh, what does the next chapter I mean? Is the next chapter, I want to hang out with my family. Yeah. Or is it, I want to make a new different kind of game that doesn't, that this company doesn't make, or mm-hmm. I want to own the, the thing. Is that, is that the, what prompts it is, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm tired of, you know, making these big things that I don't have any ownership stake in. And I want to be, yeah. you know, who the knows? Quote, the quote in the article from, from Jake is I'm embarking on a new chapter. However, I'm incredibly grateful to have had the, had the opportunity to fulfill my dreams at Firaxis Games. And that is like, yeah, you fulfilled your dreams. Like, what's next? <laughs> what's that like? What is, yeah. What? <laughs> I've only ever watched my dreams die. That's a uh, <laughs> pretty wow. different experience. It really feels. The king of positivity. So say a little negative. Sunday morning positivity. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, with this story, I'm a little more interested in the possibility of him going off and doing something completely different. As much as I love strategy games, if he's fulfilled his dream there, I'm always really curious to see when a developer goes in a in a new place yeah. where they're trying mm-hmm. a, a completely different genre just to see what they do. I mean, look at um, uh, Hi-Fi Rush. Which was mm, made by right. the by the um, oh, wait, evil within it. games. Yes, right? uh, did, did something completely different that worked completely well, and I would just love to see this guy try something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Real time uh, strategy game. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, <laughs> the the other, you know, there sounds like there's a lot of shakeup going on at Fraxis. The other part of this uh, this article is that um, Fraxis is going to have a brand new. CEO, or, uh, uh, it's uh, Heather Hazen or H- Hazen. I'm not sure how that's pronounced, um, but um, she uh, she was has been a part of the company for quite a while, but replaces uh, a 25 year long studio head. Uh, Steve Martin uh, leaves the studio after 25 years, um, so it's cool to see a woman in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, she has been COO and now will be uh, head of the studio. Um, uh, so that's that's pretty cool too. It sounds like there's a lot of kind of change and um, um, you know turnover happening at at Firaxis. And you, the way you make that all sound cool is you go and also we're working on that big game that everybody loves that we're known for and we're doing the next one and it's going to be amazing, <laughs> right? So that's why Civ Seven is the big part of the article that everybody can pull out and not go. Hey, this whole company is sounds like there's crazy Drama. change happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh I know Lana, you've never uh, played in the Civ games. Uh Scott, are you a fan of Civ? I've been a fan of the Civilization games since the early days. I played the first one on Super Nintendo back when I was a kid. Wow. And but I haven't played the more modern ones like 5 and 6. I actually own 6, I think on my Switch. And just because I saw it on sale for like five or six bucks, I'm like, I'll get to that someday. Mm. And then, you know, what happens is other things come around and you just never get around to it. But I'm a, I'm a little, I've got that uh, little bit of fear 
of just how comp- how complex those things have become. You know, they yeah. went to, to hexagons and all that kind of stuff. I kind of miss the simplicity of the original ones, but uh, I'm I'm int- I'm intrigued by it. But my question is, though, did they actually say it is Civ Seven or? Have they well, seen- I guess the next mainline game in the mm. Civ franchise is what has been said. But, you know, they've been numbered in, in the past. It's possible. Uh, well, there's been some spinoffs as well, too. So they haven't sure. really said anything about gameplay. It's just like – and to me, that tells me that we're going to see this in, I don't know, 2025 or something like that. This is so <laughs> early, right? I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure it's a ways off. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know how you start making a new Civ game. The, the, these games have everything except the kitchen sink. In some cases, actually the kitchen sink. Um, <laughs> and you know, I, I don't even, there's so, they're so jam packed with, I love the Sim Fra- Civ franchise. I'm, I'm a huge fan and, um, I'm excited that they're making the next one. It's kind of not a surprise, right? You don't think that they're just going to let that franchise wane, but, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what you do, how you go. Okay. What, what didn't we put in this? What, what can we bring to it? That's new. What, you know, I don't know how you even start working on a, a franchise that is, as robust as Civ has been in this last couple of iterations, but yeah. how much you want to change the formula, how, you know, I, that's just, it's a wild idea to make another iteration in that franchise. I agree. I, I almost feel, I mean, it really depends on the team. Um, but like to some degree, I imagine at this point, you're like, okay, we know that these are the first 50 steps, you know, <laughs> like there's certain things that, <laughs> yeah. that, we th- we think are foundational to making a civilization games. Let's figure out what those things that are absolutely foundational that from whatever player research we've done, these are the th- reasons that people come to this game. You're saying, you're saying Lena, that you basically just start with a couple of settlers and then you, you just make a s- settlement and then you, you build that up over time, step by step, turn by turn. <laughs> That's what you're saying? I'm saying game development is a civilization <laughs> in a way. <laughs> um, I, I feel like you're – I assume you're referencing the game. I really have not played it. <laughs> yeah, that's I've seen the, the animations where you like talk to like the leaders and I'm like at some point you talk to like the leaders. <laughs> I don't know what happens in between. <laughs> you do talk to the leaders at a certain point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you get to choose one of the great leaders of, of history based on you know the, uh, the, the sort of um, – cultures and societies through time and they usually have a great leader associated with them mm-hmm. uh, and you start from the meagerest of beginnings and you build a grand civilization and the and the you know the key is that you can win in a number of ways you can try to be you can try to win by having the most scientifically advanced society mm-hmm. you can win by being militaristic and just conquering everyone or you can win by uh, having the best culture and mm-hmm. um you know advancing cultural monuments and creating great uh, cultural uh cultural advancements and uh, win that way. So that's what's so cool about Civ is that there's a variety of ways to a- approach it. And mm-hmm. it really does make you feel like the, the systems in it mirror how civilizations actually have grown and interacted with one another. And so one of the things I love about the game is that you kind of feel like you're learning about how the world was shaped. Mm-hmm. And you're picking you're picking one of those leaders that that's like your faction, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah. but there's dozens of them. Hmm. Yeah, so if you if you play as the Americans, it's usually Abraham Lincoln. Like you're just yeah, like, really? George Washington like, yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Atlanta, if you ever are curious to get into the series, but but are concerned about being overwhelmed, like I was talking about with the later ones, there was a version called Civilization Revolutions that uh, I I played on the Xbox 360. I believe it was on PlayStation 3. They made it a lot more accessible in that version, so mm. I would recommend starting there if you wanted to try. But uh, 
the later ones do get do get quite complex. I always found that they were like, or my my impression of them is they were like kind of simsy in a way, where you're like building stuff and you're looking at the bird's eye view and you're like, look at all the things, but, which I <laughs> you've I definitely find, summed it up perfectly. You do I look find, at all the things, <laughs> which is not like like that's not my it's it's not my preferred genre. Mm, I feel yeah. like if I sat down to play it, I'd enjoy almost any game. But if I'm going to sit down and take some time, I'm rarely going to be like, let's play. I'm, I'm going to play by myself in a, an ant farm kind of situation. <laughs> you yeah. want to be you want to be Abraham Lincoln on the ground using your musket to. <laughs> yeah, to destroy I, I'm all the demons. For a first just person like musket com, uh, yeah. combat. But I want to know the, that the I'm demons Abe just Lincoln. like Abraham Lincoln really did in, in history. <laughs> Reloads take about 25 minutes. Exactly. That's the gameplay I'm here for. <laughs> I heartily uh, uh, um, agree with the Civilization Revolution. Civ Rev, as, as, as it's been called. Um, great game on the 360. One of, I think, that and Oblivion are the only uh, Xbox 360 games that I got the perfect 1,000 gamer score in. Not nice. to show you how obsessed with those those particular games I was. Mm. Um so yeah, that's a, it's a great, 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 great version of Civ. It, it does really strip away a lot of the uh, the minutia, and you, you're trying to write in it. But I also think the perception that the mainline Civ games are overly complex is is accurate, but it does it's not it doesn't feel that way in practice. Like if you get get into it, it, it it's not overwhelming. Like the game kind of steps you through and. You, like I said, you start from very meager beginnings and the complexity layers on as you go. So it's not it's not terrible. It's well, not- the nice thing is that it's not like a real-time strategy where you're constantly fighting the clock. It's turn-based, so you're not right. rushed at all. So you don't even ever have that overwhelming pressure of getting things done quickly. So that's nice, too. It's a great point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sit there and think about it as long as you want. Look at all the things for as long as you want, Lana. Thank see you. all the things. Thank but you. But you do see all the things because you can see, like, the, all the, the topography of the of the – land around you and what crops would work best in that area and it's it, it can be very intense but it's a it's a great 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 franchise speaking of great franchises <laughs> my story of the week uh there's gonna be a lot of lord of the rings games ladies and gentlemen <laughs> lord of the rings big big franchise you may have heard of it uh it turns out embracer group uh when they purchased it they wanted return on their investment it seems uh, so uh, they're they're making lots of new stuff, new TV shows, new literary works in the Lord of the Rings uh, universe, uh, board games, merchandising, theme parks, stage productions. We're doing it all, says Embracer Group. And that includes five, yes, five new Lord of the Rings games by 2024. Uh, now, granted, one of them is a mobile game, so... I don't know. If you're like me, you can probably write that one off. <laughs> oh, wow. I know. That's not fair. But uh, <laughs> it's accurate. It's not fair. Uh, <laughs> I admit that it's not fair, but it's just me. Um, we know about Lord of the Rings Gollum, which uh, has been delayed uh, frequently, and uh, but is still happening. That's coming from uh, Daedalic uh, Games. There's also uh, Free Range Games is doing a survival crafting game called Lord of the Rings Return to Moria. The uh, EA mobile game uh, is called the Lord of the Rings Heroes of Middle Earth. And there's one coming from Weta themselves, the special effects company that is responsible for the Lord of the Rings original Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings trilogy special effects. 
Weta is doing a Lord of the Rings game. We don't know exactly what that one's going to be. But there's a fifth game that has now just been revealed in Embracer's financial disclosures. Uh, and um, we don't know anything about that one either. But my question to you, Scott, is uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, ready for it to, to be back? Was it ever gone? Is this too much? <laughs> Not enough. What do we think? I have a little bit of worry with the Lord of the Rings franchise. Granted, I don't have as much of a love for it as I do things like Star Wars and Marvel and other properties. But I worry for fans of the series like this that there could be we could be getting close to a little bit of burnout. I mean, as an example, the new Ant-Man and the Wasp movie came out this past weekend, right? Yes. I feel like there's a new Marvel movie every month now, Mm. and they just seem less and less special. So I worry that the same thing's going to happen with the Lord of the Rings franchise. Granted, everybody's high on Rings of Power, which admittedly I have not seen yet. Um, But, you know, is the same thing going to happen with games where we're just like, oh, here's another Lord of the Rings game. I don't know. Yeah, I think you you bring up sort of my position, which is uh, I was uh, I was not super excited about any of the Lord of the Rings stuff until Rings of Power happened. And I went, oh, I can still love this IP. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Uh, however, I will say, even Shadows of Mordor, which I think is a great franchise, like by the, I don't know, how many sequels did it have? Just one? Did Just have the two? one. I, I didn't finish know. the second one. <laughs> yeah, neither did I. The second, the first, or the second game came out, and I went, uh, tired, I'm good. Exhausted. Yeah. I don't know. Um, uh, the Gollum. It's got patented systems. I do like the patented systems. I'm all for the patented systems. Bring those into other games. Now, I don't understand why we haven't had more of that. The nemesis because uh, they're patented, but I, I don't understand why we haven't had more nemesis like knockoffs. You know, uh, you can knock yeah. off a thing that's patented, can't you? Is that how you get in trouble? I don't know. I don't know. Legally distinct uh, yeah. nemesis. It's called the notmesis. It's not. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. I'll see myself out. Uh, Lana, what do you think? Is too much Lord of the Rings? Are you excited for more Lord of the Rings? What Lord of the Rings? Would you get excited about what is the most Lord of the Rings game? What could this fifth game be that would get you super excited? Uh, I don't know what the fifth game would be that would make me super excited. Maybe something like when I think about um, the Lord of the Rings things that aren't the books that hold up the best, that original Fellowship of the Ring Two Towers, Return of the King trilogy is so good. And like you get to be like have those pieces, like the fellowship, especially, like some kind of co-op game where you're like scampering through the woods in, in Middle Earth somewhere. You did love I to scamper. I know that about I love you. to scamper. I love a scamper. Mm-hmm. Um so if some kind of scampering had more scampering in it, you'd be all over that franchise. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so something like that would probably be exciting. Uh I think the interesting reason that maybe the it strikes me different than marvel movies and like how consistently those come out is even though obviously movies are very different genres and like comic books not everybody's reading every comic book about every character there's like certain characters they get excited about there's something it's like marvel movie is the genre no matter what the characters are present in it so even though it's like oh i'm not the biggest ant-man fan People are like, oh, another Marvel movie, even though each one could have a very different flavor. And with video games, like I look at this lineup as it exists and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to play the mobile game just because I'm not a mobile gamer. Um, 
Uh, I'm not super into survival crafting. So of these, the only one I really would need to pay attention to is Gollum, because I think that one's the most interesting. And then the rest just kind of fall off my radar. And I'm like, yeah, there's one game coming that I'm interested in. Yeah. And I don't know why I don't feel that way about film media as much as I feel that way about games media. Um, but I'm fascinated. Has Weta made a game before? I don't think so. I think this might be their first game. Let me uh, Google that. Um, uh, but I'm like, part of me is like, ooh, yikes. <laughs> because I'm like, what is like notoriously the crunchiest crunch house that's ever existed? Oh, in, really? It, oh, my gosh. Notoriously terrible. I mean, I'm going to say totally things I've heard through the grapevine. I've never worked with them. I hope they don't like... I hope somebody doesn't randomly listen to this from Weta in like a high up place and then later sue me for defamation. But I hear that you sign a contract that says overtime is after 80 hours a week when you start. So they keep your wages in insanely low. What? And then they work you super hard. It's the highest divorce rate of any VFX house that exists wow. on earth because people it's go crazy there that they to make get you get married to them <laughs> yes Sorry, yeah it is it, it's it's like really freaky over there you know <laughs> um but yeah they just they grind people into nothingness which is why i love keanu reeves so much because he donated his salary to the animators because he perceived that weta wasn't paying them enough wow for the movies that he was hiring them to make it's crazy according to the weta workshop.com slash games. Our game studio was established in 2014 by a, an experienced team of game developers and film veterans. So if they haven't put out a game since 2014, they have to have. Throughout our careers, our passionate crew have created content for PC, Xbox, PlayStation, Wii, Android, iOS, Magic Leap, Oculus, Vive. Uh, but what games have they made? Where does it say that? If you it's click it. on what we've made, it shows like all the cool stuff for the movies. <laughs> That's not a good sign. See, that's the kind of stuff where I find that very concerning. I'm like big red flag, but like what it makes such undeniably beautiful work, incredibly talented people work there. But oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of emails about this because I just I, I'm not getting it right. I'm sure there's video games that I just am not remembering. If they've been going since 2014, I feel like there's got to be. But if you do under stuff we make armor and weapons, cities and kingdoms, worlds and cultures, creatures and monsters, experience and attractions, props and gadgets, prosthetics and cybernetics, robots and vehicles. None of those are video games. But to be fair, they're called <laughs> what a studios, right? All of that could fall under the umbrella of studios. And this could be their first jump into game development. I don't know. I'm or, just or or maybe they work in the same way that they work for other companies. Like like when a VFX house works on something, uh, they sort of – I forget what the actual word for it is, but they sort of vie for shots and they, they're kind of like lo trying to outbid each other on mm -hmm. the shots. And they won't do a whole movie necessarily. That's why at the end credits of a film, it'll be like, what a workshop – ILM, Framestore, like sure. it, yeah. the movie gets broken up into many pieces across all these different studios. And so maybe Weta works in that same way where they're like a massive high caliber outsource house. I don't, I have no idea how they work. All right, it's so crazy I've, to have that many platforms and know <laughs> this is what we did explicitly. I apologize to the listeners because rarely do I want to be learning about this in real time as we talk about it. But <laughs> I'm clicking on games on Weta Workshop's website and it has four things listed under games. One is Weta Workshop Unleashed, Making the Makeup Mirror, 
That's <laughs> attributed to Game Studio. Weta Workshop Unleashed Face Tracking Skull. What? Those seem like games. Uh, and then uh, two games in the Dr. Grordbort's <laughs> franchise. Dr. Grordbort. <laughs> I'm not, I promise I'm not having a stroke. Dr. Grordbort. It's G-R-O-R-D-B-O-R-T, Grordbort. Uh, Dr. Grordbort's Boosters and Dr. Grordbort's in- Invaders. I am into this franchise. Dr. Grordbort is is an amazing thing to say. I'm into it. It's just fascinating. It says, uh, working with us gets you, yeah, they must be an outsourced house. Working with us gets you expert management, creativity, craftsmanship. They've been nominated for VES and DICE awards. So, like, I think they're an outsourced place. But you'd think that you'd be like, okay, well, who's outsourcing to you? Show us the games. Just these four? Well, the first two don't seem like games. And bo- both of the Dr. Grordbort games uh, <laughs> <laughs> look like they're for Magic Leap, yeah. which is a product that has not been officially released, right? Is that correct? That's as, a, as far as I know. AR VR product, which I'm excited to try. I've never tried. I want to try some Dr. Grordborts. <laughs> There's two Grordborts. So it's like the first one must have been a Grordbort success story. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I am I'm in love with this. This is my new favorite franchise, the Dr. Grordbort. <laughs> do you see like what kind of game it is or even like screenshots or anything? Uh, Dr. Grordbort's Invaders uh, <laughs> says uh, hyper-realistic life-size robots invade your living room, which sounds like a good, you know, AR product showcase. Mm-hmm. Dr. Grordbort's Boosters uh, says Boosters launches into spatial computing. Uh, the spatial computing device Magic Leap allows players to interact with digital content uh, this is Weta Workshop's second foray into spatial computing following the award-nominated Dr. Grordbort's Invaders. This is the sequel. This is the second Dr. Grordbort's game. Oh, okay. I'm looking. I looked up a trailer for Dr. Grordbort's Invaders. <laughs> the Magic Leap. So it's AR. So the trailer is like, <laughs> there's a dude like in some, it looks like VR things, but he's standing in his living room. There's a dude making dinner in the kitchen and a woman quietly reading on the couch. And he's in the middle of the room. And it's like the level is your room and it's AR putting robots yeah. coming into That's your cool. house. Looks cool. That's cool. That's what I want out of an AR experience. I mean, at least for sort of first gen AR experience, that's what you do is you put things into your house, you know, you yeah. make your house the level. That's fun. Yeah, and maybe maybe Doctor Grordbort's there. I just want to know if that's actually how you pronounce it. I know phonetically that's how it looks, but I wonder. You think that you some know. of the several of the R's are silent, <laughs> right? <laughs> several. I think there's a roll in there somewhere. Grordbort. That's very yeah. I'm into it. I'm into this many favorite franchise to say. <laughs> Hey, so just to put a bow on this uh, Lord of the Rings discussion, which we're definitely having, um, uh, I think I I have some theories as to why I personally, this is just a subjective first person analysis. Your, Your mileage may vary. But for me, there is a weird disconnect between how much I hold the Lord of the Rings books and films beloved in my heart with how excited I tend to get for video games based on them. Mm. And I've never been able to sort of square that circle in my head, but I think 
Part of it is because every video game is based on Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's a good point. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's nothing special about it, right? If I'm playing Dragon's Age or uh, literally any fantasy role-playing game, it's going to have Tolkien elements in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it doesn't feel like, oh, wow, that's exciting that Lord of the Rings. Ooh, there'll probably be orcs in this one. It's like, well, I'll give you an orc. <laughs> I'll give you an orc any day of the week, you know? Um so it, it it doesn't feel special. And then maybe related to that in some way is that the tone and tenor of the books and films of Lord of the Rings tend to be sort of, I don't know. The, the, the t- I, I want to say that they are not super action heavy and fun, but that's not really accurate. I mean, there's a giant war at the end. You know, there's big battles. So it's not not true. But I do feel like mostly it's a, it's about feelings. Uh, which just doesn't translate super well to video games necessarily. Mm. Uh, traditionally, I don't know. I don't, that that one's less clear to me. But I, there's something about that sort of like the feeling of Lord of the Rings isn't something I'm like, yes, give me that in video game form. Mm. Um, I think it's actually Civ Seven Middle Earth. <laughs> dude, dude, yeah, make that game. <laughs> make that. I, I think they maybe have made of of sort of a god game in the middle there's been every every genre in lord of the rings right there's like a match three lord of the rings oh, game yeah. right 100 percent. there was a moba <laughs> the, one of the first mobas i ever played was the lord of the rings moba no uh, which, yes 100 percent. i'm not i'm not joking it was one of the first moba it was one of the first movies that made me go oh i could play this because it was um oh, guardians of middle earth yes i think that's what it's called but it, you could play it with um with a controller and I was like, oh, I could, I'm, I'm going to try this because you could, they'd made it so you could play with a controller. It was super fun. Hmm. Predated oh, Heroes of the Storm for me as <laughs> my go to MOBA. Anyway, that's our in depth, very knowledgeable analysis of the Lord of the Rings franchise. Five <laughs> games coming before 2024. I don't know if that's too many, if that's just right, if that's not enough. It certainly seems like there are um, lots of different kinds of games, although we don't know what two of them are. So I guess the three that we know. But uh, a survival crafting title uh, in in Moria, uh, it's, you know, okay, all right. <laughs> Gollum has not been previewed well. I'll say that, but I'm glad oh. it hasn't come out yet. You know, maybe they're still making it better, and we'll see. We'll see what the what a game is. Maybe there'll be a, a cameo by Doctor Grorgbrot. <laughs> <laughs> I can only help. I love a Grordbort Easter egg. <laughs> love them. We need a Grordbort, you know, swear jar or something. So every time you say that word, you got to put a dollar in the jar. I want to. I hope he shows up in the survival game so I can make Grordbort's fort. Wow. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, moving on. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about uh, the games that we have been playing because there's a lot of them. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, Squarespace. Squarespace, uh, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. That's what Squarespace is now. You can stand out with a beautiful website. You can engage your audience and sell anything, your products, the content you create, even your time. I have loved Squarespace for over a decade, nay, a decade and a half. Because uh, it's a great place. It's so easy to use. It's so simple to use. And you can make great websites. Uh, Being able to have all of these additional 
these additional features, these additional tools is really the word I was looking for, tools uh, that lets you monetize your content, build your brand. They have these member areas uh, that uh, you help you unlock new revenue streams for your business, free up time in your schedule. You can sell access to gated content. You can make videos. You can have online courses or newsletters. There's so many things that just one stop at Squarespace, you can build, make, monetize. They've got the Squarespace Video Studio app, which helps you make and share engaging videos that help you tell your story, grow your audience, drive sales. It's so nice to have that all integrated right there in Squarespace. Plus, if you want to sell anything, physical items, digital items, it doesn't matter. The online store feature is built right into Squarespace. It's really just a couple of clicks. You make your website into a store. Squarespace has all the tools that you need to start selling online so quickly. There's blogging and commenting features for building an, a, a community. Uh, it's All the websites on Squarespace are optimized for mobile right out of the box. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything to make sure it works on mobile. Content automatically adjusts. It's so simple. You've got analytics to help grow your business in real time. Appointment scheduling. You got to check it out. If, if there's any reason for you to have a website, especially if you have a business, Check out squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. You'll get a free trial. Now, this is absolutely free. You don't even put in a credit card. It's not going to automatically charge you after a certain amount of time or anything like that. It is completely free. Only when you're ready to launch your website, after you've used the tools and you've, you've seen how easy and, and powerful they are, when you're ready to launch, you can use our offer code, which is Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. You'll save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain because Squarespace is also a great place to purchase domains. The front end is so simple, so intuitive. Check it out. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me for your free trial. And then the offer code Jeff sent me for 10% off your first purchase. We appreciate Squarespace supporting the show for so long. It's great. All right, let's talk about the games that we have been playing in a segment we call The Playlist. I do want to take a second at the top of the playlist just to thank everybody who gave me feedback last week uh, about my discussion of Hogwarts Legacy, uh, whether it was positive or negative, and I got lots of both. Uh, I really, really appreciate people taking the time to uh, share their thoughts um, and uh, you know send them into dlcfeedback at gmail.com, tweet at me, all of that stuff. It means a lot, and I appreciate how um, interested and, um, and respectful and uh, engaged uh, our audience is here on DLC. So thank you all for that. Scott. Yes, sir. What games have you been playing lately? What's on your playlist? I have actually been playing quite a bit this week. Uh, being a school teacher, I'm afforded a luxury every once in a while of a snow day. So this past <laughs> Thursday, uh, we got about five or six inches of snow, which isn't a lot for our area. But for some reason, they called off school and I was like, I'll take it. So uh, um, I was able to uh, finally complete Dead Space. The, the remake, nice. which massive fan of that series. And that game is fantastically gorgeous, as you guys mentioned before. And I love just the little extras and things that they do, how much they've changed around the story just a little bit. Uh, I don't know if you know, but they've done some little Easter eggs buried in that game. Do you have you? I don't know if I want to say exactly what it is, but there's like a, a portion of the game where you have to do a specific combination of 
of uh, stomping and meleeing in certain order to make something happen. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about at all? I have heard of this. I have not played through that moment. But, it uh, is, it's worth it even just to go look up a YouTube video to see what it is. And I don't know if I want to like spoil it for people, but it's, it's hilarious. Like completely yeah. out of character for the theme of this video game, but it's great. That's, cool. uh, That's really cool. It sounds like they had fun with it. I know that there's also some, uh, some fun uh, graffiti and stuff that they've hidden in, in areas to, mm-hmm. to shout out to people and stuff like that and there's um, also an alternative ending like if you oh, play really? through the second time on uh, new game plus uh there are 10 collectibles either 10 or 12 collectibles throughout the game that are just you know little markers basically that you find on shelves and things and if you get all of those and do one other thing uh the final scene or final shot of the game um you know as isaac is is flying away in the shuttle is slightly different and it kind of uh looks at things in a different light so recommend doing that very cool very Um, cool also i've been playing um pinball fx on my xbox um i don't know if either of you are into pinball at all no this is a christian the christian loves the pinball fx series i know i saw that it is these games are among your top five games of all time is that right oh my goodness i have put more hours into pinball fx than any other series i'm talking hundreds (laughs) and hundreds of hours i uh, I've loved pinball ever since I was a kid. Mm. And then when Pinball FX, I actually started the digital versions of games on Pinball FX 2. And um, since then, I now, on Pinball FX 3, own every single table that they have available for purchase. And there are 99 of them. Wow. Um, and it's, it's I, I got a buddy that lives out in Portland that he and I just kind of score chase each other. You know, whenever somebody beats a score, we, uh, you know, we, we send a screenshot to the other and say, you're up, buddy. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that's and, rad. Uh, How cool is that? It's I, been awesome. I never think to play a digital pinball game, but if there's a physical pinball game in my vicinity, mm-hmm. I'm I'm dead to the world. Like I will be like, oh my gosh, is that pinball? And then I will sit there and play it for as long as I possibly can. I don't know why those two things don't attach in my brain. Maybe because I know that I would lose my life to pinball if I could, but uh, I, I I feel like I get it. I don't. Well, I, I, I'm in that boat as well. I mean, not to the sen- to the extent that I would, you know, rush over to a physical pinball, but I'm certainly more likely to play physical pinball because it feels to me like the joy of pinball is in the physicality of it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I would love for you to explain to me why the digital pinball can also live in that space for you. Like, why why is it also joyous to play it digitally? Well, for one thing, if I purchase a table, I can stop and restart and I can pl- pl- play as many times as I want without dropping another quarter in. Yeah. Uh, so that's number one. But number two, the physics that they've put together that Zen Studios has, has uh, placed in Pinball FX is absolutely incredible. There is a pinball table that from my childhood called uh, the Getaway. It's a it's it's a like uh, you're a car running away from the cops kind of thing. And it was one that I played so much and they've actually recreated that exact same table in pinball FX. So I'm, I played the real table and I played the digital table and it feels like I'm playing the actual table. The physics are that good. Wow. Um, so is there a market for like a niche, like a, like a, what's it called? Like a, a fight stick, but it's like just the, the, Oh, that's wild! Yeah, bumper like the bumpers, and then the 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 plunger. What is that thing called? Yeah, it's called a plunger. But it's funny you mention that because there are actually people that have made home brews, uh, home brew pinball controllers. Actually, um, 
Zen actually makes a physical pinball table that's not an actual table. It's just like a giant LCD screen flat, and then there's an LCD screen on the back, and then you can just you know upload all the tables right in there. I actually played it at the Midwest Game Classic in Milwaukee, and it's fantastic. It even does like the where you can bump the table. You know, you can bump the table and <laughs> make it. You can get tilted. You yeah. can tilt, but it's actually part of the strategy of playing these games is is, is doing that. And um, uh, Grant Henry is a friend of mine that actually does the music for my podcast. He actually took a like 20 inch screen and he built a giant wooden box and he wired it all up and he has actual pinball buttons on the side. He has actual an actual plunger that is connected to it. And he just plays his pinball FX games on there. He He created a whole YouTube video. Uh, like showing how to put it together, how to make it. Um, I have not yet got permission from my wife to be able to do that, <laughs> but uh, you know, fingers crossed someday. So, so well, how does that flat surface work? Like, is there actually a ball? It's just a like the L, like the. It's just a screen. There's not like a. I'm like picturing like a ball rolling around on top of the screen, and I'm like, but there's no walls for it to bounce off of. It's purely digital. I'm backing out. Never mind, Jeff. No, the ball is digital too. Is what? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> That would but, be really uh, cool, man. Like an AR pinball table. Now I'm now I'm intrigued. That would be pretty wild. Yeah. Um, the uh, that rabbit hole I went down a while back. I think I mentioned on the show a few times when I was really uh, investigating investing in a um, a like a main cabinet, like a big, big uh, giant arcade cabinet. Um, I I got I had my things in my cart in my shopping cart many times, and I uh, just couldn't justify the expense because the version that I wanted was. Uh, quite extreme, but there are a lot of um, those uh, custom, you know, cabinet builder things that will add like side buttons for the pinball games or, mm-hmm. or a plunger on the side. So you can have that part. You can have, you know, joysticks and, and track balls and uh, all the stuff that you would want for a regular main arcade cabinet. Mm-hmm. But they'll also add like side buttons. So it feels like pinball cabinet as well. If you want to do that, it's, it, it's pretty cool that there's a lot of that custom customization that people do to create that experience that you're kind of talking about, Lana. Mm, very, very anyway. cool. So anyway, this pinball FX is actually a new client from, from Zen studio, because like I mentioned before, I, I got in on pinball FX two, got in on pinball FX three and pinball FX, which just like kind of rebranded without the number uh, has been on PC in early access for a while. And it just dropped on console this past week. And I was really excited, but uh, I was also a little nervous. And full disclosure, I've been given uh, some codes for some of the tables, and I was actually given a uh, an annual pinball pass, which I'll explain what that means in a second. So I absolutely love pinball effects, which is why it pains me to say what I'm about to say. Uh-oh. Because this time around, they are not allowing you to import the tables that you've purchased on Pinball FX3 to bring them into Pinball FX. And they've done that for a couple reasons. One is they've changed the physics engine, um, which is different in a way that is difficult for me to really notice as much. I'm, I'm, I'm noticing I'm not able to capture the ball quite as easily as I am. Um, but also it's a licensing issue because if you've looked at any of the tables that are available in here, there is Star Wars tables, there's Marvel tables, there's Nickelodeon, there's Gearbox, yeah. there's Bethesda, there's all these different things. And, you know, licenses aren't things that you purchase. Licenses are things that you rent. So they need to keep that revenue stream going somehow. And the way that they've done that now is, you, yes, you can still purchase the tables, 
but uh, what they're doing is they're offering an annual subscription where you can basically download almost all of the tables with this annual pass. But that pass costs a hundred bucks a year, Ooh. which I know when you break it down by month, that's you know less than ten bucks a month. But uh, that is a little hard to swallow for somebody coming in that has been a loyal fan of pinball for as of pinball effects for as long as I have. Mm. And because of that, I feel like hardly anybody is actually on their playing purchase tables. Uh, like I'd mentioned before, my buddy in Portland that I compare scores with, he's refusing. He's like, I spent, you know, 300 plus dollars on all these tables over the years. I have no incentive to go purchase them. So now I'm, you know, if I want to play against him, I got to go back to the old client, which is fine. You know, that's like, it's always there for me to play. But at some point that argument from pinball, which again, clearly they're not saying, Zen is not saying this, but the whole argument of like, well, you can go back to pinball FX3 really feels like, don't you all have phones? It feels like that kind of argument, you know what I mean? Like, well, you can, or 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 what was the the thing that Xbox said? You know, we have an offline console. It's called the Xbox 360. Yeah, you have a place where you can play this. It's called Pinball FX3. Which, yeah, there you have it. But mm. if you are brand, if you are a fan of pinball and you've never jumped into Pinball FX, this is I cannot recommend this enough. Uh, the the client is free. You can go in. They give you a table for free to try and play around with. They've got a decent tutorial. And then just browse the catalog and find a, a a franchise that that appeals to you, and give a table a shot and see what you think. And it it might surprise you because these tables are incredibly deep. There is a lot of moving parts. There are missions you can actually beat a pinball table. Believe it or not, um, like most of them have like five or six different missions to complete. And if you complete a mission, you get a whole bunch of points. But you can complete all the missions, and you almost get like a little ending story cinematic kind of thing which is really cool so uh yeah highly recommend it for 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 people new to the franchise i'm i'm struggling very much to recommend it to people that are long diehard fans because i don't see the bonus incentive other than just some some minor tweaks and and different like dailies that you can do but uh i'm still loving it well i think are are they re-releasing those old tables in this new client or they, you're saying it's that hundred dollars a, a year that you need to spend? No, it, the old tables are there. Oh, but I if see. you want to play them on the new client, you have to either buy them or you have to pay for the for the pass. But there's new tables in the new client that aren't available in the old client. Correct. For yeah. instance, the Adams Family table is a is an is a actual real life physical table that they just released on here, and it's one of my favorite physical pinball tables ever, and it's it's great. So, hmm. so yeah. Uh, that and I have also uh, I also got a code for Wild Hearts, which yeah. is on uh, PS5, and uh, I, I have only kind of scratched the surface on this game. But um, I was told, and I haven't played this series, but I was told that it's very much a Monster Hunter clone. Yes. So I kind of mm-hmm. went into this, uh, you know, having only really dabbled in Monster Hunter at all, and I'm gonna comp- I'm actually gonna include a little bit of something that uh, in another game that I have not played very much except for with my students. Uh, it feels like Monster Hunter meets Fortnite. And I don't mean Fortnite in the Battle Royale aspect. I mean in the, <laughs> in the building aspect. Hmm. Because the game, as you progress through the early parts of the story, you're given an artifact that allows you to conjure things out of thin air. Uh, so, for instance, when you're fighting one of these monsters, uh, the, one of the first things that you're able to conjure are basically these giant crates. 
and you just kind of build one and then build one on top of that and build one on top of that. You climb up on the top and then you're able to attack from above these enemies mm -hmm. and uh, it does a, a lot more damage. Uh, something else I was able to conjure was like a giant spring that like kind of propels you forward at a high rate. So um, it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean to say Fortnite to turn people off because I know a lot of people are negative on, on on that just because oh it's a kids game or battle royales or I'm, I'm tired of them but we're fortnite positive here are you okay cool. true we just want to make sure like i said i played with my students once and and uh i got a couple kills That's, and i was like it so, does sound a little goofier than i would have expected from this game like a, a giant spring that boings you into the air like that sounds a little goofier than i thought <laughs> having just looked at wild hearts from the outside and the marketing aspect mm -hmm. i just acquired that and it's not like a it's not like a massive one. It just it just looks like a little pad on the ground, mm. and when you step on it, you do, it, it's almost it acts more like a dash, like a dash forward. So I'm so interested in that. So I, I've played a ton of Monster Hunter. Love Monster Hunter. What uh, one of the things that when I first started playing Monster Hunter, I was very frustrated about is you do you get to do more damage or more of a specific type of damage when you attack the monster while airborne. Mm -hmm. You do. Uh, at least, sorry, in, in Monster Hunter World, you do mounting damage, which means you can actually weaken the monster enough so that you can uh, mount it and ride it around and kind of stab it a bunch. You get like a like a big damage bonus when you're able to do that. You can run into walls. It's just like a great experience. But I was always like, it's so frustrating that this is like the specific type of damage, but there's no jump button in mm. the game. You have to like find little ledges that happen to be in the battlefield to like run up the little wall piece and try and jump off of it at the mm. monster. And it's like a weird mini game of trying to find a ledge to jump off of. And I love that Wild Hearts kind of has a similar gameplay. You do more damage when you attack the monster while you're born from the top. <laughs> but rather than put a jump button in, they're like, build some stuff <laughs> so that you can climb it and then jump off. And I think this is a more spectacular um, sort of solution to that of like giving you more opportunities to get yourself in the position to do that big damage. But I think it is very funny that it's like, oh, but you could have just pressed jump. Well, to be clear, Wild Hearts does have a jump button. Now, I, oh. haven't, I haven't tried to jump and attack because I didn't know that about Monster Hunter, that you get more damage. I, you know, the game only taught me how to do that extra damage from above. And when mm. I'm talking about extra damage, uh, you know, when you hit an enemy normally, at least at the level I'm at, the, the game does a little, like, shows how many hit points you're doing, the little like numbers five. pop up. <laughs> it does like 10 or 12 damage. But when I jump from on top of this thing, it's doing like 250 damage. Yeah. So, like, we're talking significant amounts of things. So, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to play it, but I also, you know, as a person that's never been into Monster Hunter, I'm more excited to play this with a friend than I am mm -hmm. to play on my own because this does have co-op, which also offers cross-play support. So I can play with mm -hmm. my buddy on, because I'm playing on PS5, I can play with my buddy who has it on Xbox, and I can play with my other buddy that has it on PC, and we can all play together. To me, that sounds more intriguing. Now, I haven't tried that yet. But the idea of like taking down these giant monsters together sounds like a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to giving that a shot in the future. So I got one more question for you about sure. Wild Hearts. Um, how did you like I know it's, you've only spent a, a bit of time with it, but what is the tutorialization of it like? Like, how do they present the new information? Because Monster Hunter, it's like many, many panels of dense text. Uh, there's there's some text, but it, most of it is optional. So like you're, you'll mm. be given um, a little window of information and then they'll say, if you want to learn more, press this button. 
Oh. So you're not necessarily required to do it. So I would assume that if you're a monster hunter aficionado, you probably have a good understanding of what they're talking about already. Hmm. But you can read it if you want to. Gotcha. Um, the rest of the tutorial works much, works very well in terms of learn by doing instead of just reading a wall of text. So that's kind of nice. But there's a lot of buttons. <laughs> you know, you've got you've got your jump button. You've got two different attack buttons. You've got your, your sheath, your sword button. Uh, mm -hmm. You've got uh, a button to pick up items. You've got a button to conjure, which, you know, you you also have to hold down the conjure button, which opens up a wheel. Then you have to select which thing you want to you want to put out there. And then and then I got to remember, am I releasing the button or am I pressing the another button yeah. to make that happen? <laughs> it's it, it's one of those where it's it feels like it's going to be second nature sooner than later. But, you know, only the hour, hour and a half in that I am so far and only taking down one monster. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I, it hasn't yet, but I feel like it will very easily. Yeah. Cool. Lana, I feel like you'd be all over this game. Are you, are you excited for wild hearts? Are you going to oh, be playing I've it? Been, I've been watching. I got my eye on it. Yeah. Um, I am excited to try it. I haven't jumped in in any way yet. I actually, is it, is it out or is it just in beta? Like I, I've heard a bunch of people playing it. You mentioned you got a code. No, it, it's out. It's out. It yeah. actually released on Friday, I believe. Yeah. So I haven't tried it yet, but mm -hmm. Uh, I'm definitely going to be in the near future. Cause well, let me know. Me. I would love to play with somebody that knows what they're doing with the Monster Hunter games. You could be my Sherpa. Uh, I, on a little bit. Yeah, I would be happy to Sherpa. I definitely feel like the best way to learn this type of game, I never, if I just like picked up Monster Hunter, well, my first inclination would have been like to try and play it on mouse and keyboard. Mm -hmm. Definitely the wrong answer. It's got, it's like a, the, probably one of the only games that I'm like, you must play it on the controller or you will go mad. Um, uh, hmm. Yeah, I'm really I'm looking forward to trying it. We can sherp around, see I, see I, what I can. Provide. I would love that. Did the did the Monster Hunter games have like character customization as well? Oh yeah, oh yeah, big time. Okay, yeah, this one does as well, and that's something that I really I rarely get into. You know, because I I would love to make a character look like me, but I I'm just not artistic in that sense. So I just put together whatever, and my character <laughs> winds up looking like. Um, the T-1000 from Terminator 2. <laughs> like, it's, I don't, I, I'm just awful at it. But, uh, I mean, it, which is weird because you're hardly ever looking at your character. You're always looking from behind your character. So, at least, mm. I mean, so I guess your character looks scenes. like a cop, is what you're saying? Well, I mean, not without the cop uniform. But just like, I, I just joking. whatever way that things came together. He just looks like, is it Robert Patrick? Is that his name? Yeah. Like, the actor. Where's the brush cut? Apart? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, Scott, what else have you been playing? Also, uh, my game of the year last year was the same as yours, was Vampire Survivors. And yes. um, I don't know how much of that game you completed. I did everything, man. I did every, like, what, 159 achievements wow. for that game. I and, did not do that. I played it a lot and did a lot of them, but not oh, all of them. Man, I did that. I did the DLC the uh, that came out around Christmas. And uh, this past week, they actually dropped a new update, which is... Not like a new area or anything. They just more or less gave you three new achievements and a new weapon that you can do. So uh, I dabbled in that a little bit. They What they do with these achievements is they force you to do one of the maps in the inverted mode, which mm. is really tough. Uh, I tried it twice. I thought I was pretty good at this game. I tried twice, and I was not able to uh, <laughs> to make it to like level 80 or whatever you need to to get the achievement. So 
I got to yeah, rethink some strategies, maddening. but <laughs> so, uh, this is like not something I want to try. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's, it's so satisfying, man. Once you yeah. get there, and 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 that carrot on a stick is just to see what that new weapon is. So I'm really stoked about uh, seeing seeing what that is. Cause I don't know what it, I don't know what it does yet, but um, also the, I've been playing the Metroid Prime Remastered. I know Christian talked about that quite a bit last week, and I am in the same boat as him. Like I, I it, it's been so long since I've played it. I, I played it originally on the GameCube. It's, it, there's been such a great amount of time that it feels like a new experience again. Like, I don't remember where everything is. I mean, you know, lots of the locales are familiar. And I'm just absolutely loving where it, it the, the bosses in this game feel like three, uh, like first person Zelda bosses. Mm. Like, instead of it being, you know, just like a shooter shooter. Oh, yeah. And so yeah, I'm, for sure. I'm really digging that. And then uh, the last one I'll, I'll mention real quickly is one of my one of my uh, new year's resolutions this year was to force myself to play for every game that I reviewed for my podcast. Uh, I was also going to play a game for me. And uh, so I've been kind of going back into the well and playing some older games. And one of my borderlands three crew members has never played the gears of war series. Mm. So we're playing co-op together and it's so much fun going back and playing an older game with somebody that hasn't played it before just to like hear their reactions and, uh, um, I, I love it. And you know how last week Christian talked about, or actually you did, Jeff, talking about how like the Metroid Prime series reminds you, like you can see where you were sitting when you were playing oh, it yeah. as a kid. Yeah. Uh, Gears of War 2 has that similar effect to me when I get, do that opening title screen. Um, that just that noise that mm-hmm. that thing makes reminds me of hopping in and playing online with my friends. Uh, you know, about what, 15 years ago now that game, 15, 18 years ago, <clears throat> it was, uh, it's been, a, been a really good time. So that's awesome. I highly recommend going back and playing some older games with, with people that haven't, uh, that are playing them for the first time. And you wanted to mention a couple of other older games, right? If you don't mind, these were, these were, I, I wanted to recommend these to Christian, especially because I know he's a huge, uh, Metroidvania fan. Although, mm-hmm. um, my co-host Zach would yell at me for calling them Metroidvanias. He prefers it when I call them uh, gear-gated 2D adventure games. Yeah, no, that definitely rolls off the tongue better. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) But uh, um, this first one was actually my game of the year two years ago, and it's called Astalon Tears of the Kingdom. I don't remember you guys talking about this one. Did either of you play it? Do you remember? I certainly didn't. I don't know if Christian has, but I certainly did not. Oh, my goodness, Jeff. I know you love roguelikes, so I might be able to sell you on this one as well. This is a roguelike Metroidvania. So it does like the Metroid map. But if you die, you start over at the same spot, but you get to keep all your stuff. And then it does the Dark Souls thing where if you get back to where you were killed, you get your stuff back as well. Um, But this game, the sense of discovery in this game, Jeff, is absolutely incredible. There are moments, again, it's just a 2D Metroid style game. There are moments where you will find a hidden secret. And in a normal Metroid game, you find that hidden secret and you get this little bonus room. And then you get an extra item or whatever kind of resource. In this one, you'll stumble across something where you feel like you you found this insane secret. And it will open up like an extra third of the map. <laughs> and it just feels absolutely incredible to do that. And then on top of that, there's like three different characters that you get that you need to use in different situations. Uh, you don't have the ability to switch them on the fly right off the bat. So you have to earn that ability later on. And it is just structurally beautiful the way this game is put together and the music it's it's you know a little old school it looks like maybe like a 16-bit or 32-bit uh game 
but it is, it is fantastic. Uh, please pass that on to Christian for me if you get a chance. Sure. And I hope you give it a shot. And then the last one was actually my number two game of, of last year. Well, let me just and, uh, let me just reiterate for the audience. This is called Astalon Tears of the Earth. It's Tears of the Earth. I'm looks sorry. Looks like it's twenty bucks on uh, the Nintendo eShop for Switch. Is it is it exclusive to Switch? No, I actually played it on Xbox, and okay. it's also on PC. Um, I don't know if it's on PlayStation for sure, but uh, um, it, yeah, it's it's really great. I had the, I, I got Zelda on the brain. Apparently, that's why I said Tears of the Tears of the. <laughs> Sorry about the asshole on Tears of the Earth. Um, and then the last one is uh, Blast Brigade versus the Evil Legion of Dr. Gordbort. No, uh, Dr. Creed. <laughs> uh, it's another Metroidvania, uh, but this one has a very bright polish to it. Incredible voice acting. You would love the main character, Jeff. His name is Jeff Jeffries. Mm, I like him. <laughs> um, but this one is gloriously difficult uh it is it, the platforming and everything is tough but always fair and the sense of humor in this one is great multiple different characters uh and just a very satisfying and rewarding map to uncover uh so those are my two metroidvania recommends and i promise i am done with what i've been playing <laughs> blast brigade versus the evil legion of dr creed it came mm-hmm. out in april of, of last year uh, on Steam, looks like uh, again another twenty dollars game, so uh, yeah. not a huge barrier of entry. And I love the art style; it looks very cartoonish and fun. Yeah, and like I said, the voice acting is great. I laughed out loud on more than one occasion playing through that game, and it's it's great. Very cool, great, great recommendations. Love it. Good list. That's a good snow day. Good snow right? day. <laughs> Seriously, uh, Lana Bashinsky. Yeah. What is on your playlist? Um. Well, I played it. Uh, it- a couple weeks ago now, Hi-Fi Rush. I won't talk about it. Y'all talked about it a bunch. Just wanted to say I loved it. Fantastic game if anybody hasn't checked it out yet. So uh, good. I, I think people get kind of – Some I've talked to some people who get intimidated by the idea of like hitting everything on the beat. I think the gr- game does a great job of making you feel – not incompetent when you don't hit it on the beat, but just so much better when you do. So check it out, even if you're worried about that. It's definitely worth it. And not a super long game. It's just a really short and sweet. I would say it's like, other than some problems I had with... uh, you can It'll let you detect whether or not you have uh, input lag or like visual discrepancy mm-hmm. between what you see. But it doesn't let you adjust it. It'll just be like, yep, yeah, you have it. <laughs> which can be very frustrating. So we were, we were playing on the laptop HDMI into the TV for the best experience um, because we don't have an Xbox, but we it's on Xbox Game Pass exclusive, I think. Yeah. Uh, and so there was a definitely like input lag, but it was just like, it's there. <laughs> huh. Just be aware of it. There's no way to actually <laughs> adjust, which was incredibly frustrating. That's and if it had the ability to actually like adjust for the input lag, I would call it like for what it's trying to do, um, like a perfect game. It does the exact thing it's trying to do perfectly, in my yeah. opinion. So, love Hi Fi Rush. And the voice um, acting is severely underrated in that game. I th- yeah. it is so good, especially I came fresh out Midnight Suns into Hi Fi Rush. It's like <laughs> like the most. It was the energy it gave me, the life it breathed into my husk of a soul after it was done. Uh, so good. <laughs> um, yes, voice acting, I agree, Scott, 100%. Um, on a very different note, went straight from Hi-Fi Rush into Plague Tale, 
<laughs> which <laughs> I have not played before. Have either of you played these Plague Tale games? Yes. I, the second one, yeah, the second one, uh, much more than the first. I did. I bounced off the first pretty hard, but uh, yeah, I'm just the opposite. I bounced off the second one pretty hard, but I really enjoyed the first one. Love them, love them both. I'm not quite done Innocence yet, but I I started playing Innocence because I was like, oh, well, I don't think it, it'll matter that much that I haven't played the first one. And immediately I was like, well, this is very cool and interesting. Let's just stop here and play the first one. Love it. If anybody who knows me knows I love a rat. <laughs> <laughs> you are, yeah, you, you, that's the acronym for your animation your animators. Team. Yeah. Um, uh, I just... The gameplay is so fun, puzzly, and like there's definitely like that tension, and it's it's stressful, but also because of like the way the the mechanics are stress free in certain ways. I just really, really enjoyed these games, and I feel like they were weirdly undersold. Mm, I people talked yeah. about them a lot, but I I I guess it's like that's on me for not like listening hard enough to like what people were saying about what they were. I did not I thought for some reason they were like um I think maybe I thought they were don't starve. Like my oh. brain thought those two were the same game or something. Okay. But, hmm. Anyway, it's not at all what I thought they were. Love them. Very creepy. Very like, wow, that's really horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, they're very bleak. I mean the the universe you're in is I mean, literally literally being overrun by hordes of plague infested rats i mean it doesn't get more bleak than that i literally out loud was like let me tell you it really is a tale about plague <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're not they're not uh yeah it's not a misnomer yeah you know? it's, it's not just a clever name yeah yeah but uh third person stealth action game really really enjoyable really love yeah. the and, and gorgeous gorgeous games i mean oh, like beautiful. a treat for the eyes uh those yeah. rats Very uh, cool. i've never seen a more beautiful horde of rats hmm. uh, they look they look plague ridden it's amazing really the do. fidelity yeah uh so really enjoying that um and then the third thing on my playlist is i've only played a little bit of it but i'm in the a cross play insider session for ubisoft's x defiant mm, okay have you heard about this game yes um not really my jam but okay what makes it not your jam so well, uh, it's mil- like, military shooter you know not really into so it is but it definitely is not okay so there's definitely uh like uh if i'm comparing it to like a call of duty or something like that the time to kill i would say is generously higher like it's still like a pretty short time to kill window but not like playing valorant or call of duty where it's like yeah you're gonna get hit once and that's it you're out immediately there's like a small like a larger window of time of how many shots i can take plus the different like abilities that my faction can have that lets me live in the world a little longer um and overall is like a very fast paced feeling it's not what i think of when i think of military shooter that's for sure um because at first i was like trying to play like tactically i'm like okay i have a run i have a crouch i must i'm so used to valorant i must be like i'm like okay time to like sneak in and it's like no driving forward it's always got to be driving forward it's not about being like super sneaky you're not like you can get like a ghillie suit that you could like go flank people but in my experience you're like always trying to rush forward uh the game uh for those who haven't heard of it is a first person shooter um with different maps um 
like like Team Fortress or Overwatch, you know, there's capture these points, there's push the payload, there's uh, there's one that's like cap like stand King of the Hill, but like the the point where King of the Hill is moves. So they'll be like, the point is here. And then it's like the capture point or whatever it is called is shifting. So you can like capture it and then your little time, like your points meter starts ticking up, ticking up, ticking up, but then it'll move somewhere else on the map. So it forces you to uh, like change your strategy. You can't just like get every good corner as like the King of the Hill spot stays and just pick people off as they trickle in. It like forces you to shift your whole team over to another section of the map, which I think is a very fun and interesting thing. And overall, so far, I was really pleasantly surprised. I thought I'd be like, yeah, that was a shooter. But it does have a a unique little flavor. The audio design is great. Like the guns and like everything about it. I I hate when devs talk like this, but it feels like a little crunchy. Like everything feels a little sharp and um, like tactile in a way that I really appreciate. And I, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Well, that's really cool to hear. Uh, it's yeah. X Defiant, which is it's free to play. Ubisoft, it's, it's a Tom Clancy game. Am I um, looking at this correctly, Lana? Is there like a, is Sam Fisher in this game? Yeah, I would not call it a Tom Clancy game. Like the, so the way that the sort of cosmetics slash abilities work is you load in and you can pick any number of these factions and the factions that are in there right now are there's two Tom Clancy factions. I think the mm-hmm. game was initially like pitched as a Tom Clancy game, but there's also is watchdogs Tom Clancy. Uh, no. Yeah. So you can also be a, like a watchdog. Oh, I see. I see. So it's sort of like Ubisoft's Ubisoft. like multi-world, uh, they're yeah. smash brothers basically. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so when you're in the game, you'll different, the different abilities connect to the factions. So within a game, you might pick a, a different, like the healing boost, which will make you one of the, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to remember the name of the factions because I'm not that bit into Ubisoft products, so I'm not even going to try. So it's going to well, but that's because Lana, they're Libertad, Phantoms, <laughs> Echelon, Cleaners, and Deadsec. Of course, are the names of the factions. <laughs> yes. I mean, anybody would remember that. I haven't even played the game, and I knew that off the top of my head. <laughs> I really amazing that you. Ow! Sorry, my microphone just shocked me. Owie. <laughs> um, sorry. Whew, that was weird. Um. It was like you'll pick a healing item and you'll be like Libertad, and but if you switch to the ghillie suit, it'll put you in the Splinter Cell outfit. Mm. And if you switch to the other things, it'll like you. So it within a game, you won't necessarily switch characters. Like I'm Tracer versus Reinhardt or whatever, but you will like your character's appearance will change based upon the the type of faction items you pick for That's your cool. makeup. X Defiant. Who knew? I literally was not on my radar at all, but now I might check it out. It's free to play. Why not check it out? Mm-hmm. Um, pretty cool. Uh, all right. My uh, my playlist. Uh, well, I wanted to mention uh, Lana finished Midnight Suns, as, as she kind of uh, obliquely referenced. And uh, we, the two of us, want to do a uh, spoiler cast about that. So I've been like, okay, well, I'll finish up Midnight Suns. Holy moly, has that game started crashing on me? <laughs> Oh, I, no. I, I am playing on PC and I it will crash. It doesn't even matter what you're doing. It, it, there's no consistency. <sighs> it will just I played that game for 25 hours, never had a single crash. But I've wow. gotten to the point now where I could just have a conversation with a Marvel hero and it crashes. Uh go to click on the bed to go to bed at night, which you do 
all, all the time. time. <laughs> uh, crash, complete crash. Uh, very frustrating. Uh, just wanted to mention that because, again, a game I love, but all I seem to do is talk about its neg- negative sides. <laughs> uh, pretty big negative all of a sudden has happened. I don't know if it's because of an update or I just got to a point in the game where things are happening, but I had heard people talk about uh, it having some some buggy problems. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't have that experience at all. And I think I even mentioned that when I first started talking about it. I was like, it's been silky smooth for me. Welp, all that has changed. And now it, mm. it crashes so frequently that I'm having literally having a hard time just finishing the game, uh, which I want to do because I really love it. I really love it in a lot of ways. Anyway. <laughs> Hmm. I really love parts of that game. I, the parts that I like are so good that it really excuses all the parts I don't like, which are many. <laughs> here's, okay, here's my so my favorite thing is to walk up to Jeff now and be like, mm, "I saw a move like that once centuries ago," um, <laughs> or like pull any random line that I think is very stupid and then poorly delivered. But yeah. This is the la- this is uh, as you maybe to continue to try to play through it. Just notice Wolverine's mouth, <laughs> and just notice the way he holds his teeth. He never closes his li- lips, so the voice acting. If you look at him, he would actually be talking with like a very intense lisp the whole time. <laughs> so just look at Wolverine while you're playing right? and picture how it would actually sound. <laughs> try and do your mouth the way he did it, and just. Picture what the voice acting should sound like for those mouth shapes. A little, Amazing. A little fun thing between the crashes. Enjoy. <laughs> between the crashing. Uh, yeah. My favorite the thing game. is uh, literally talking to every character at, at a surprise party just to find out what they think about the surprise party. Oh, my God. With all those chat windows pop up, I was Jeff like, and I would really? go, oh, All of God. them? I could talk to all of them? <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, uh, you're I being sarcastic, right? Like, you don't actually enjoy you doing that? Or? Ha- no. You throw a surprise party for a character and all the other characters are there and you can ask them how how they feel about the surprise party. Why? Why? No, for no reason. <laughs> for the lore and so you can oh really engage with those well-delivered characters. I yeah. haven't played Midnight Suns yet, but I got a couple of friends that have just been raving about it. And it's very I'm, good. And if I'm not mistaken, it, <laughs> they couldn't even convince me to try it. It was free this weekend, wasn't it? Like on uh, either I may have been. I don't so know. So we sound like we're joking. It is really good. It's really good. It's really good. The, and like it's when so... you get into the combat, it's so good. But then there's parts of it that are so tedious that I'm like, oh my god, I like feel like I barely make it through, and I, I get into one of the next combat situations, and I'm like, oh yeah, this stuff is so good. Mm, mm. I like forget. It's like w- neuralizes my brain, so I forget <laughs> what I just went through. And then I get back to the chateau, and it's like, oh god, I have to go to the shop? Boo! <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm i curious if you're going to jump back in when the uh, Venom DLC comes out, I think like next week or the week after. <sighs> I think maybe. Yeah. I mean, I want to know how they do Venom DLC in this game because there's literally a Venom end point. The, the Venom storyline happens in the game. Are you just going to like find? I don't know. I, don't know. See, I, Jeff, I know she Jeff like cleans, Whatever. Jeff was like, yeah, but it's not going to be about the Venom. It's going to be about now Eddie Brock's in the Chateau. Oh, uh, that's probably true. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's the part I care the least about. <laughs> but what does he think about the surprise party? <laughs> All right. Uh, is he That's an emo way- kid? What? Is he an emo kid? Oh, he probably will be in this game. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, that's the game I'm not talking about. Um, <laughs> uh, I want to mention uh, I got a code for the re or the uh, the uh, port of Returnal to PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, Returnal, a, a great PS5 game. I think still one of the best showcases of the PlayStation 5's unique uh, abilities uh, to this day because there are very few um, you know PS5 exclusives. I've got a uh, copy which, sitting right here, Jeff, and I still have yet to open it. So I, I bought it like for 40 bucks and I've been like, I'm scared of it because I've heard you, of the difficulty. It's good. It's <gasps> real good. It's real have fun. You, you haven't played it at all yet, Scott? No, not at all. Oh, highly recommend. Yeah. Wait, do you have the PC or the... Uh, the uh... PS5. Oh, you gotta. Yeah. It's real good. It's it's a it's a very fun game. I mean, especially if you like roguelikes, it's a it's a roguelike but kind of masks its roguelike in inside story stuff. And I mean it's very much like a like an arcade game, but mm-hmm. camouflaged as a much more, you know, advanced third person action game. It's it you know, it it really is bullet hell uh it's really uh very arcadey very fun very just very satisfying the weapons are very satisfying um it bums me out that the game kind of looks has one very specific look the biomes change Mm -hmm. as you move forward but it still kind of has one kind of theme that i wish it branched out into more visual differences over time but Mm -hmm. um that's a very minor nit. It's it's a really excellent game, and and on PC it's great. It it supports super ultra wide, which is always my big question when they port stuff to PC. Is like, is it going to support the super ultra wide resolutions? It does. It's great in that resolution, mm. silky smooth. Uh, on you know, I have a beefy GP, but beefy it GP. is <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I, I you know, it it supports DLSS uh, only two but still, um, looks and sounds great. I would say the biggest knock on the PC version which is easily remediable, if that's a word. You can remedy it uh, easily, but I'm too lazy to. (laughs) Is that one of the best things about Returnal is the DualSense controller. Like Mm -hmm. on PS5, it uses DualSense, you know, whiz-bang stuff, the, you know, the half trigger pull to full trigger pull. It's like the gold standard of haptic feedback. A hundred percent. It really was like the proof of concept of why these new controllers were a step forward. You can you can hook up your DualSense controller to a PC via Bluetooth. It works. You can do that. I just haven't, and it felt like a uh, heavy <laughs> lift to do that. So I played it with my you know my regular uh, Xbox 360 controller, which is what I play PC games with. You know, still. Uh, and it, it, you lose something in doing that. So if if you don't have a dual sense controller, and you're or or you're unwilling, like I am, to sort of go through the the process of setting that up on your PC, you really do miss something because Returnal uses that so well. Um, but the PC version looks fantastic and is very well done. I know. So Christian's not on this week, as I said, he couldn't bother to show up, but <laughs> he did send me uh, quite a bit of audio. Uh, really uh, too much. Let's be honest. It's it's a long chunk. Uh, I think it's like twenty minutes, uh, which I'm going to put in the show uh, after I'm done talking. Um, and he talks about Returnal as well. I know he played it, so you can look forward to either listening to that or skipping it. I don't care. You know, it's Christian. I don't. Know. What are you going to do? You can listen to it if you want. Um, but he'll talk about that as well. But very good. I would say if you don't have a PS5 and you want to play Returnal, this is a great way to play it. The other game I want to talk about is um, a little indie game that boy I, I should have noted who it was somebody 
uh, brought this to my attention, a listener of this show. Thank you, whoever you are. I'm sorry, I don't recall your name or handle right now, but thank you for bringing this to my attention. Uh, this game was brought to my attention in the following way. This is a game that's trying to be Ultima 7. Now. <laughs> and uh, uh, Ultima 7 is my favorite game of all time. So that al always piques my interest, perks me up. Uh, this game is called Caves of Lore. It's a, a little indie game made by one person. One oh dude God. made this game all by himself. And um, it is exactly what it was advertised. It very much is what if Ultima 7 uh, was made today in that it is still pixel art. It is still top down. It is still uh, this very, uh, Lana's favorite word, crunchy role-playing game. Uh, but it also has like a modern lighting engine. So even though it's pixel art and very, you know, very retro looking, you walk through these caves with a, a torch illuminated and it like light reflects off of things. It's cool. Looks great. Looks great. Uh, again, very retro look, pixel art, but looks great. Uh, you get a party of adventurers. I mean, it's an old school, like Pools of Radiance, Ultima, those, you know, Might and Magic, those old PC RPGs that I grew up loving. Uh, and... You have tons of different skills. Ton, you, 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 there's tons of secrets to discover. You're interacting in these big cities. You're moving across these big maps. You're uh, accumulating party members that can do different kinds of things. Your, uh, you know, magic system is is rad in that you, you know, you have to discover books that have the spells in them, and whatever book you have equipped is what scale, uh, spells you can do. You level things up individually by doing them. Very old school RPG. Also old school in the sense that it does not hold your hand at all. Uh, you can very easily wander into a fight that you cannot win. It won't warn you of that. But it has a save anywhere feature, which is what I used to do and still do, still have the tendency to do. Walk two mm. steps, save the game. Walk two steps, save the game. Walk two That's how I play. I love doing that. Uh, so, you know, I recommend it because you can get yourself into a situation <laughs> where you go, oh, I really shouldn't have done that. So you can load up. You don't want to lose a lot of progress um, when your characters die for, you know, you did something dumb. <laughs> um, but this is, a, this is a really great throwback game. I really, really dig it. Made by one dude. And he updates this game literally every day. I am not mm. joking. Every day he will, people will report bugs. He will squash that bug and release an update. And because the game is wow. so small, like it, does, it doesn't update it instantly. Um, and it's great. He's like so on top of it. He's so committed to, you know, continually fixing these games. He updates it literally every single day. Um, it's, it's wild. Um, and, and it's a, you know, testament to the commitment to the game. I really like it. If you have a love of these old school kinds of games, I would recommend checking out Caves of Lore. It looks really cool. Like you said, the lighting with pixelated graphics is an art style I've not seen put together. It, look, it looks really neat. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty sharp. My, my biggest gripe, honestly, with the game is I wish the combat system was a little bit more sophisticated. Like, I wish it... It had been updated. I mean, it's very much an old-school uh, turn. It's turn-based. I love turn-based. It is... Um, it's very much that old school CRPG, you know, kind of simplistic combat. Mm -hmm. I just wish it'd been, it, it was a little more sophisticated. Um, and I know as you, uh, you know, as you get more stuff to do and more spells and more cool abilities and stuff, the game opens up over time, uh, which it has for me, but it's still, 
I just wish the just the mechanics of the, how the turns go, and I wish there was one more element of it rather than just I go, you go, I go, you go. You know, it's it's very um, it's very basic in that sense, and I wish that uh, some of the better turn based games that have happened over the last you know decade uh, innovate on that, uh, and you know this it's just a little simple, but a minor, minor setback for what is really a very dense, interesting game with tons to discover, tons to, you know, really feels like exploration is a big part of it. And, you know, I, all the things that I love, uh, it, it really is pretty cool, pretty great. All right. Sounds really cool. Let's, I guess, if we must, listen to Christian drone on for about 20 minutes. <laughs> so here he is, his, his version of the playlist. And he's played some really cool stuff, you guys. So, you know. Here we go. Christian, take it away. Hey, everybody. Christian here. I am, as you're listening to this, uh, as it's being recorded, I don't know what I'm doing when you're listening to this, but as it's being recorded, I am out doing some light overlanding, camping off the grid, detached from connections and stuff like that, and hopefully having a great time. Hopefully have all the right supplies. (laughs) And uh, it's going great as per usual. But I did want to talk about three games that I had been playing that I can now talk about uh, on this show. I posted um, blog posts about them over at my website, christianspicer.com, as the um, Ridozo's embargoes lifted. So you can read versions over there as well. But I wanted to talk about um, the new games Wanted Dead, the Returnal PC port, and Dust and Neon, Dust and Neon, that's one game, Dust and Neon. Um, I'll start with Wanted Dead. Wanted Dead is an uh, action game uh, made by some of the folks who made Ninja Gaiden and Dead or Alive, and it is very much meant to be a throwback to the PS2, Xbox era of action games, kind of like a Ninja Gaiden or maybe even some earlier Devil May Cry style games. And if you listen to this show long enough, you know that I love... You know, Bayonetta 3 was one of my favorites of last year. I've played all the Bayonettas. I've finished many Devil May Cries, um, and I, I ran through Ninja Gaiden Black and, and those action um, slash ga- hack slash action games um, have been a real favorite of mine over the years. So I thought that Wanted Dead would very much be my jam. Unfortunately, it is not. Um, it, it, it is janky, but that's not what kept me from loving the game. Like some of that jank I think can be endearing from time to time. What kept me from loving the game was the actual flow of the combat most of the time. So as the character, it is a hybrid um, action game where it is some close quartered slashing, katana blade wielding and stuff like that, but also has third person shooting mechanics in it where you straight up carry an assault rifle with you. You can hide behind cover, pop out, aim down the sights and shoot. And I think because of that mechanic, a lot of characters, enemies in the games, also have those style of guns and they are attacking you with them. One shot from them won't kill you or take you down, but I did find it annoying to be constantly being hit by enemies with machine guns as I'm trying to navigate this play space. Now, it could very well be the fact that I never found the air quote proper way <laughs> to handle the game's combat and kind of bounce between various enemy types and also balance the up close and personal sword play with the further away um, assault rifle and grenade style third person shooter 
um, action game, but I found the combat to be clunkier than I wanted it to be. I also found going when I would hit left trigger to go down the sights of my gun, my aiming reticule would never be where I would expect it to be. And I shouldn't say never, but rarely where I would expect it to be. And I think this was perhaps a disconnect between how I used the camera and those third person action sword play modes versus then pulling it into a, a, a shooting style mechanic. And, and as Alex Solman and I talk about on feeling this in terms of the feels of video games and those little things that, um, you know, make a game feel great, this was an aspect of Wanted Dead that made the game feel less than great. I wasn't getting the expected response from my uh, controller input, and I found it more frustrating than not. Now, I do think there are people that will love this game, warts and all. I think they will relish, you know, the difficulty and replaying bosses over and over and over again. And to be clear, I did not finish Wanted Dead. <clears throat> I don't know if it was my lack of skill or lack of patience, maybe a little bit of both. Or that the game just wasn't clicking with me. I didn't feel the need to keep hitting my head against a wall. I found checkpoints to be a little more frustrating than they otherwise should be, so I die in a boss or a mid-boss and then roll back 10 to 15 minutes and have to roll through a, a part of the level again that's easy enough to roll through. It's not like um, you know, a Souls game where I would be dying trying to get back to the boss, but I would maybe run through more health packs than I wanted to, and it just also isn't fun to, <laughs> to do that same thing over again when what I'm trying to do is just learn this boss pattern so that I can memorize it and complete it. And so there was enough of that stuff that held the game back for me from even being a fun, you know, air quote, romp action game. And I think that's a bummer because there are moments in the game that were awesome. One of you, you have a classic kind of parry block with your blade, but then you also have a a handgun style parry. And you'll use each of these accordingly depending on, on the type of enemy attack that's coming at you. And some can only be countered with this handgun style parry. And using your handgun as a parry element up close and personal had this cool John Wick feel, right? Where it's like gun foo, I think was the, the term they coined for that or used. I don't know if they coined it, but borrowed for, for those, those um, movies where, you know, you're not shooting long range with the gun. You're getting up close and personal and almost using it like a katana or a dagger or something like that. And there are elements in Wanted Dead that very much replicated that feel. And I would be able to get into that combat flow state for a little bit. But then far too often, other enemy types or the checkpoints or the bosses would pull me out of it, and um, it was a real bummer. So it did not live up to my expectations. I'd also want to note that there is a moment early on in the game that reflects the male gaze in, in an unwelcome way, in my opinion. And I don't know if it's meant to be a throwback to the PS2 era of like, hey, we objectify women in a creepy way. Like, I mean, back in the day, what was like IGN babes? You know, IGN had a section of their website that was babes. There was a lot of stuff like that in that era, and I think we've moved past it. Maybe this game addresses that character moment later in the game, in the late game. I did not see, but from what I experienced, it didn't seem, <coughs> excuse me, it didn't seem additive in any way, and it actually took me out of the experience. So, for uh, my money, Wanted Dead is a pass, but hopefully there's something that can be iterated on and we can still see more cool action combat style games in the future because I still do love that genre. Okay, the next game I want to talk about is the PC port of Returnal. And I should have said I was provided a PC code for Wanted Dead and uh, a PC code for all of the games I'm going to talk about here were provided to me by uh, the respective publishers. 
Um, Returnal is, uh, it came out in 2021. Again, you can read my thoughts over uh, about it if you wanted to do a written form over at christianspicer.com in the blog. Uh, you can also order uh, a copy of my comic book, Consequences, over there in the store page. Thanks to everybody who already has. Um, I believe I have all those shipped out unless new ones have come in uh, while I've been off the grid here for a little bit. Um, but thank you for that. I'm having fun shipping them out. Hopefully people that are receiving them are digging them. I still do have uh, more available. So you can find those over at christianspicer.com slash slash store. That's where you can find that uh, link to that graphic novel. Um, but Returnal first came out on PlayStation 5 in 2021 and, you know, a critical success. Many people's favorite game of the year. It is a third-person, bullet-hell-style um, shooter, roguelike um, game, and it does a lot right. When the game first launched, I think people, and myself included, were a little frustrated that you couldn't pause mid-run, and oftentimes runs could be lengthy, and there was no way to kind of exit the game mid-run and then come back and pick it up later unless you put your console into sleep mode, but that had its own uh, host of problems where sometimes it wouldn't always save or maintain your run. The PS5 version of the game had that patched in after launch, and it brings all of those patches and adjustments forward to the PC version of the game. I played the PC version uh, both on my beefy GP on my desktop, and of course, because uh, of course I was going to, I fired it up on my Steam Deck as well. On PC, I mean, it's gorgeous. Running 4K, um, everything maxed out. I'm constantly over 60 frames per second, asterisk caveat. There's the occasional, what I would consider micro stutter from time to time, entering or exiting new environments. And mother, uh, mother, mother people, other people might harp on this issue. It, it did not detract from my enjoyment of the game on PC in any way, shape, or form. In fact, I think they were present in some form or fashion, in the PS5 version as well. Like, I get that if I have this super powerful hardware, everything should be perfect, buttery smooth all the time, but maybe I'm a little bit more of a gaming apologist where it's like, I mean, it's there, and would I like it if it wasn't? Sure, but in no way is it detracting from my enjoyment of the game. That was my experience with Returnal on PC with uh, probably four or five hours I put into the this PC port. And it's stunning. I think the art direction works better when you kind of max everything out and you have the the fog effects and the ray trace lighting turned on a little bit more. And you can really see some of these creepy alien worlds um, that, that they're bringing to life. And it was a, a really great experience. I think if you have a PC and don't have a PS5, it is another great PC port by Sony. I think most of Sony's, if not all of these recent PS5 PC ports, um, have been outstanding. I've really enjoyed all of them. I think for many, if not all of them, they are the definitive way to play the game. But for, you know, coming out later than I would have liked, I'd love day and date. Um, but these PC ports are phenomenal, and Returnal is is no different in that regard. I think if you don't have a PS5 and you're playing this game, I do think the DualSense... Um, support is, it, it can be additive for a lot of players. And so I, even if you don't have a PS5, if you're going to be playing a lot of these PS5 games on PC, I think it's probably worth investing in a DualSense controller um, because you can play that wired with your PC and for these uh, Sony ports, get those DualSense features. And they're cool. They're, they're, they're very cool. And I think for a lot of folks, they'll, they'll get their money's worth out of having that controller, especially for games like Returnal. Um, on Steam Deck, it ran fine for me. I didn't get super late into the game where things get a little more hectic and I imagine it could run worse. 
but I had it, you know, at a pretty stable 30 frames per second. Everything turned to low, <laughs> you know, versus high. And it's not the way I'd recommend playing the game, but it, it worked. And with uh, cloud syncs and saves, you know, pretty seamlessly popping over between the two, I think if you're wanting to just get in a run or maybe practice something or something like that, or you're just you're itching to get another play session in and you can't sit down at your beefy GP, um, I think it's a totally valid way to get in additional runs and, and, and have fun with the game. Again, I didn't get into the most hectic, frenetic scenes of the game on Steam Deck, so the performance might suffer more there. But I think that the fact that this PlayStation 5 exclusive um, that was kind of meant to showcase the fast loading and all this stuff that it was you know talked about on PlayStation 5 works even in the way that it did for me on Steam Deck is a testament to the quality of these Sony ports and also why I continue to love my Steam Deck so very much. Um, it is a, a phenomenal port in my opinion and I think well worth playing for people who you know, heard about the game and are, were interested in it and maybe missed it before. Um, you know, it, it does so many things right and I think a lot of people will get a lot out of it. I think it's interesting for me as I play Dead Space, Returnal, and Metroid Prime Remastered I think what I've kind of learned, and if you listen to this show enough, you kind of already know this, but my preference for not rogue-type style games, as I open the doors in Returnal that very much remind me of Metroid Prime doors, and I explore this alien world, and I'm scanning things <laughs> to learn about them, and I'm upgrading my weapons, all I see is, man, I wish Returnal was more linear, like Metroid Prime. I love that world! I love the world they created. I love the powers, the aliens, the villain. Uh, ooh, it's awesome. It's awesome. For my money, there's nothing about the PC port, just the game in general. Um, I, I, the rogue type, roguelike elements aren't additive. I understand that there are some folks who just love that game play style and it is additive because it adds replayability and they're kind of tinkering and understanding whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, playing Dead Space, Metroid Prime Remastered, and Returnal all uh, in concert here <clears throat> has really reinforced the idea that I prefer not rogue-type rogue type style games more often than not, and that remains the case here. But again, Returnal on PC is a phenomenal, phenomenal PC port of a former PlayStation 5 exclusive game. Okay, and last, and unfortunately least, at least in terms of my experience, is Dust and Neon. Dust and Neon is another rogue-type style game, so perhaps, you know, copy, copy pasta, that stuff I said about uh, Returnal, over to Dust and Neon as well. But I can only talk about my experience with Dust and Neon, so take this with as many grains of salt as you wish. If you read other reviews or listen to other reviews and they did not have the same experience, the game for me... I hit a game-breaking bug. I think it was on level three, or depending on how you count it, maybe it was level two, and the first level was the tutorial, where, as far as I could tell, and I tried it many times, force-quitting the game, deleting, reinstalling, uh, coming, reloading the same save, playing back to it, um, where I would get to whatever that level was. Let's call it the third level. And I had to clear an area of enemies before a chest to open, and then that would advance the level. And the in-game arrow would point me to that chest over and over again. I explored everywhere else in that level space. As far as I could tell, there was nowhere else to go. And despite clearing the area of all the enemies, no enemies I could see, none seemed to want to spawn despite where I walked. And I I, <laughs> I put in time hiking around this world, walking, walking, walking around, trying to find some enemies. I, I could not find enemies to spawn. The chest would not open. It kept telling me to go to that chest 
despite even reloading it and getting the rogue type style shuffle of what that level would be, I kept running into that bug. And after reporting the bug um, from where I got my code and, and kind of letting them know what my problem was, and now as an embargo has, has come and gone without receiving an update or hearing anything else about it, I can only talk about my experience with the game, and that unfortunately was my experience with Dust and Neon, uh, was not being able to progress past that very early level. Um, but extrapolating out what I was able to play and what the game is, it is a rogue-type style game, much in the same vein as um, Dead Cells or Hades, in the terms that you have this kind of home hub that you will go back into, where your weapons and upgrades and things that you've unlocked, your permalocks that you've unlocked from prior runs will be there, and you can kind of spec out your kit how you want to go and progress into the world, and then you go off into these missions, and they're randomized in that way that um, rogue-type games often are, again, a la Hades, Hades and Dead Cells. And what this uh, kind of tweaks to that formula it is an isometric, top-down perspective, um, Western-themed, though you are a robot and shooting other robots, but Western-themed twin-stick shooter. And it has some cover-based mechanics as well. When you hide behind a thing, like a you know a block in the in, in the level, you will take cover behind and you can pop out and shoot. And it plays slower, certainly, than anything than than Dead Cells or um, Hades as well as a slower moving and slower paced game. And while I thought that could be really cool, again from the limited amount I was able to play. I found the twin stick shooting not to be the tightest uh, of that genre that I had played. In my experience playing this game, you could kind of, if you're standing still, you would aim with your right stick, which is often the case in twin stick shooters, and then move with your left stick. But then when you're moving with your left stick, you're also able to aim with your left stick. And so I had this little disconnect between moving and aiming and aiming and moving, and it, it, I never got into a combat flow state where I felt like I was kind of flying around, well, it's a slower paced game anyway, but moving quickly around these levels and being accurate with my shots when and how I wanted them to be. It also has an interesting reload mechanic that I think kind of took more away than really added to the game, where because you're using these old Western style guns, at least the, you know, the few that I was able to unlock and play with, and you are putting pushing a button every time to reload each individual bullet. So if you have a six-shooter and you run out, it kind of opens up, pops open on screen, and then you hit like XXXXX six times to load in each individual bullet. Um, or like a double-barrel shotgun, you hit it twice to load in the thing, and it kind of clothes, closes, and you're reloaded and ready to go. That, to me, again, as Alex Solman and I talked about on season Season 1 episode of Feeling This, Active Reload felt very additive, and it was a fun, you know, mini-game of sorts inside Gears of War. I did not find this reload mechanic in Destiny Neon to be additive in that way. There's not the risk-reward, it just kind of takes time. And I, I understand that if you were actually out there, you know, pew-pew-pewing around in the Old West, you had to manually reload your bullets like that, but I didn't find it rewarding, uh, and even maybe, like, the tension that it would otherwise build of, like, oh, I gotta take time to do this. Um, didn't seem to make the game in the limited amount I was able to play um, that much more enjoyable as well. So while I did not get to play tons of the game, I do think that there are better, you know, air quote versions of this rogue-type style game. And if you haven't played uh, Dead Cells or Hades, while different, you know, different styles of games for sure, but kind of in that same genre, um, an action-focused rogue-type style game, I would recommend either or both of those before this game, but this is also free for Netflix folks. So if you have Netflix, you can hop on there 
and, and try it that way. That might be a good, good way to give it a run. Um, but that was my experience with Dust and Neon. I hope that this episode has been great, and I can't wait to be back next week talking with everybody again. Jeff, thank you, my friend, for dropping this in the episode. I will talk to you again all soon. Later. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Scott L. Clark, thank you so much for being here, man. It's been awesome chatting with you. Oh, thanks so much for having me, man. It's truly an honor. I've been uh, looking forward to this for over 10 years, man. I've been a fan of you years since uh, back in the one-up one up yours. That we were, or wow. Yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. that very much. And and we'll, ha- we'll have to have you on more frequently. Sorry it took so long to make this happen, but uh, it's been it's been a blast chatting with you. Tell yeah. folks where they can follow you and the stuff that you make online. Uh, sure. I am uh, the editor-in-chief of the Gaming Outsider podcast, and you can find our website at thegamingoutsider.com. On Twitter, we're at thegocast, or if you want to follow me specifically, my handle there is at gocastscott. Uh, I'm also the uh, co-host of a uh, – I'm a big Green Bay Packers fan. Sorry, Jeff. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sorry I'm, for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I'm the host of the Packers Fan Podcast. My buddy Wayne and I do that uh, during football season, so there's nothing new right now. But uh, you know, in the off season, we kind of take a break. But uh, you know, you can go to Packers Fan Pod, PackersFanPodcast.com. Um, but uh, yeah, would would love it if you gave the uh, the show a chance. You can listen to it anywhere where you listen to to podcasts. We're on Spotify everywhere. Uh, very community focused. We uh, we uh, you know we do a question of the week and we encourage people to give responses and we read them and discuss them on the air. Um, we actually just do it for fun. This is not my job. Like I said, I teach during the day. This is just something I do for fun. And any like money we get from Patreon and stuff, we actually don't spend on ourselves. We uh, um, we you know pay for the show, but we also purchase games to review and then we turn around and give them to the community. And our community is so awesome that they've started without us even doing it. They started passing the games around to each other, mailing the games. So we've got like this whole network of like, I'm done with this game, but pass it on to you. And I just cool absolutely that? love that about our community. So it's really oh, cool. What a neat Lovely. thing. That's neat. Also, the last thing I'll mention is that we are planning our second video game convention here in Rockford. I'm in Rockford, Illinois. We did one uh, pre-COVID, and uh, uh, we're doing another one where we're having a bunch of vendors selling retro games and new games. Um, My buddy Chris, one of my co-hosts, he is a massive game collector, so he brings a whole bunch of rare uh, video games for people to play, like some just old classic consoles. Uh, And then we get some celebrity guests to come as well. Uh, Last time we had Sissy Jones, Courtney Taylor, and uh, Melissa Hutchison, uh, who was uh, Clementine in The Walking Dead. That was really cool. Um, Sissy is coming back this year, and uh, we are 90% close to closing the deal on getting John St. John to come, who is the voice of Duke Nukem. So <laughs> um, we're, we're looking at a date in October. So if you you know stay at thegamingoutsider.com, um, we'll, be, uh, we'll be updating there when we have that event. I'm really looking forward to it. It was an awesome blast last year. So wow. there you go. Cool. Lots of cool stuff going on. That's rad. Uh, Lana Bashinsky, thank you for filling in. You can always listen to Lana every Wednesday as a patron of this here podcast at patreon.com slash DLC pod. Some of the most fun podcasting I've ever done is those Wednesday shows. Uh, There's a lot of laughing and joy. Yes. But Lana, what else are you up to? Tell folks what, what else is going on with you? Um, lot, lots going on right now. I always say that around this time, it's my, like the middle of my busy season, which sort of ends at the end of March. 
Um, uh, I'm in the road to GDC, so I will be at the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco this March. From the, I'll be there from the 19th through the 25th uh, with the Animation Summit. I'm the Animation Summit Advisor, and so we've put together an incredible uh, lineup this year for anybody who's going. Please check it out. Uh, you can see the schedule at gdconf.com and uh, go to the, the session viewer and search Animation Summit. You can see everything that we have going down. Very cool. Um, then on Tuesday, something that is more accessible, more available, uh, we have the Animation Exchange, which is basically another full day of presentational uh, GDC style sharing, uh, but it's uh, ent entirely for free, uh, streamed live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash animstate. Um, I will be present. I will be hosting. I will also be speaking as a part of the Animation Exchange as part of our regular... <laughs> Uh, session, the Anim Extreme Hot Seat Showdown 3000 that wow. I co-host with my buddy, uh, current among us, former Cuphead animer Jake Clark. Uh, it's a zany time where we get animators to co-animate a scene together while being pelted with rapid-fire interview questions. It's very fun and crazy. That sounds um, And then this week on The Rat... We ha are doing two streams in, uh, with uh, the Agora community. One is the watch party. We just had a big animation challenge this month. Uh, so you can catch the watch party at twitch.tv slash ratanimators where we look at all of the submissions. That's Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, we have the top 10 stream that I'll be hosting where we go over the top 10 and award prizes to uh, the first, second, and third place. And... Finally, and most generally, always you can find me on Twitter, at Latienai, that's L-A-T-I-E-N-I-E. -E. Um, hit me up if you want to check games or game development. Rad. Uh, you can also yeah. follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, I have some other shows, including the film cast, talking about movies and TV shows. We're doing Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. This week uh, should be a spirited discussion of that. Um, and uh, I also do the, uh, the the We Have Concerns, which is a comedy science show. You can learn something and laugh along the way. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. And a sports show called The Fan Controlled Show. Uh, you can find that at Fan Controlled Sports on YouTube, Spotify, podcasts. Hashtag team dad joke. I'm on that yeah. side. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Scott, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do, man. I actually have a mobile app that I feel like I am completely late to the party for discovering this. A buddy of mine just told me about this this past week. It is called SongShift. And if you are a big fan of music and you and if you are a fan of music, you probably listen on some kind of platform like Apple Music or, or uh, Spotify or Amazon Music, whatever. And if you were on a certain platform, you probably have friends that are on a different platform than you. Song Shift is this thing. And so far, it's free. So I, I'm going to tell you that I've used it and have not paid anything. There is a subscription you can do, but I have not had to do that. But let's say you have a playlist of music that you would like to share with your friend that is on a different platform. SongShift literally lets you just like hook up everything and create a link that will get sent that you send to your friend. And then it creates that playlist for them in whatever service they're using. That's cool. It is 
awesome. It is so convenient. I got a um, one of the producer of my show, Kevin. Um, he and I are going to see a concert in a couple weeks, and I'm I've never seen the band. And I'm not that familiar with them, so he made a playlist of all of their big songs, or he made like he got the actually the set list, created a, a playlist for me, sent it to me. He's on Apple Music. I'm on Amazon Music, and it just automatically uploaded to my Amazon Music, and I could listen to the exact same playlist. Hey, um, that's convenient. It's super convenient, and I haven't figured out what you would have to pay for because that's all I want it to do, and it works great. So I'm hoping it's just not like a limited thing, but it is like a godsend, and it's been around for four years, and I just now discovered it. So cool. That's really good. And if you don't mind, I'd like to recommend one other thing. Sure. Um, I have been on an audiobook kick for the past couple of years. I subscribed to Audible. And uh, I've been trying to dive into nonfiction books instead of fiction books like I always do. And I stumbled across, actually, my co-host Chris recommended me to read this book called Bioshock and Philosophy, hmm. which is a collection of essays by people that are that are brilliant. <laughs> and it's just all uh, talking about philosophy through the lens of the Bioshock games. So they're talking, you know, I, I'm I'm looking at the Bioshock games in a completely different light and learning about things and 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 just looking at it from a different perspective, I highly recommend it. It is a fascinating, uh, in my case, listen, and um, it 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 made me want to go back and jump into those games again because man, those games were just so much fun for me. So yeah, Bioshock wow. and philosophy, awesome. And the app is called Song Shift. Yes, very cool. Uh, Lana, what about you? Parting gift. Um, my parting gift this week is. Uh, probably silly for the audience of this podcast, who I assume all have already seen this. Uh, my parting gift is Star Trek The Next Generation yes. on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, I am almost done with my first ever watch through of the series. Nice. And it is, obviously people know this, it's a classic, but it is so delightful and incredibly well written, this show. Yeah. There are moments where i've actually had to pause it and be like these are all the reasons why i think this is excellent and just talk <laughs> through them um and i find it so compelling and so interesting i think even if you watched it before like a long time ago worth a rewatch i cannot believe how well it holds up not by way not just by the way of like the visuals and everything that they have in the show but like i don't know if i should feel like sad by it or like like just it, it just enjoy how resonant it still is but like the the sort of the criticisms they have of like the human like oh earth stopped doing that this many years ago whatever but they're talking about things that definitely still happen yeah and it makes me like oh good i'm glad that we haven't progressed at all as a society in the last <laughs> 30 years or however long this thing has been out for um but it's still like the takes that they have on issues that are currently happening today, still relevant, still positive. Love this stuff. Love yeah, it. So, that's so great. If anybody hasn't seen it, it's worth it. It <laughs> also uh, makes you, at least for me, it makes me a bit of a bummer to see where the Star Trek franchise has gone because it's uh, not really that much anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the, or the Orville did, did better, yeah, actually. That's what they say. I haven't watched that, but yeah. I haven't it, either. I hear that show's way more serious than you would expect from uh, Seth MacFarlane. The marketing for it was like, look, it's Seth MacFarlane. Wackity, wackity, wackity. It's and like the same kind of Seth MacFarlane jokes. But after like three episodes, not like, oh, after the second season, like very quickly, it tapers into a very serious sci-fi show that has the same kind of feels as Star Trek. Interesting. But with like, I'd say 10% more comedy. 
Hmm. Not very much. It's great. I really enjoy Orville as well. Lena, my wife has actually been recently watching the, the Next Generation as well. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she'll do, she'll have me like run into the room and be like, "Look who it is!" And there'll be some actor that is now much more famous than they were mm-hmm. when they were when they were a guest on on Star Trek: Next Generation. And that's just been kind of a fun game for her to be like, "I can't believe who that is." So <laughs> I had the same thing, but uh, with my husband. Uh, Sorry, he's my new husband. It's weird to say the word husband still. Um, <laughs> Especially when you say it like that. I know. <laughs> my husband. Uh, Congrats, we, by the way. So, thank you. We watched all, I made him watch all of Stargate first. Mm. And I remember when we watched Stargate, there's like some evil politician guy. And, and when he popped on screen, Jeff goes, Q, what are you doing here? <laughs> and I was like, I that means nothing to me. And now I watch the show. I'm like, oh, my gosh, guy from Stargate. What are you doing here? I get it. He's a way cooler character. Yes, way cooler character in TNG than he is in Stargate. Oh, yeah, Q's the best. <laughs> Q's the best. Uh, all right, well, my, 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 actually, similarly, well, I don't know. I'm trying to draw a comparison. But anyway, my, my parting gift is a show that I wrote off uh, as being um, not probably not for me. And then enough people were like, no, you should really give it a shot. And I, I, I started it this week with my wife. We're three episodes in, just started the fourth last night. Uh, and, uh, I, I think I might be hooked on it. It's called Yellowstone. Uh Oh, <laughs> I know I'm the last person. I'm so late to the party on this. I'm the last person in the world to watch this show because everybody was talking about it, but I felt like, ah, I'm not going to like this dumb show, but it's pretty darn good. Yeah. It, it, it is what I thought it was in that it's kind of soap opera y and, and a little over the toppy and goofy, but like, it, but not in an off putting way. It's kind of in a fun delightful way i mean it's very much much succession in the west you know uh which is what i thought it was too but i thought it was going to be like a bad version of that and it's really not it's pretty darn good there's there's stuff where it goes over the line and there's characters i'm like ah get off the screen i want to see the other ones but (laughs) for the most part it's pretty fun and i think it has one of the best pilots i've seen in a long time i mean the the first five minutes of the first episode of yellowstone i was like oh wow okay awesome What, what platform is that on again or service? Uh, I'm watching it on Peacock. Okay. Peacock. Uh, but I think it's on, it might be on I Amazon. I think it's on Paramount Plus, Paramount? I think. I don't know. I was, I'm watching it on Peacock. All right. We have a listener-suggested parting guest. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Sent to us by David. David says, I want to suggest a Netflix competition show from South Korea that I think more people should check out. The show is called Physical 100. It features 100 competitors from all kinds of athletic backgrounds, gender, age, and body styles. You have MMA fighters, bodybuilders, Olympians, military special forces, rock climbers, boxers, and fitness influencers competing in head-to-head and team-based challenges. The events are well-balanced and intense. Best of all, the strongest, biggest person isn't guaranteed to win. It is awe-inspiring to see some of the competitors' bodies the first 30 minutes of episode one is just showing off their bodies. It is incredible to watch them compete. The athletes are polite, humble, and display great sportsmanship, win or lose. My only gripe with the show is the editing style. They will show the same scene from multiple angles. Although I've read this is a style of Korean reality shows. Give it a chance and I think you'll be hooked. Thank you and keep up the amazing work. Best, David. Thank you, David. Uh, I've heard that this physical 100 show is uh, is good fun. Dave Chen from the uh, from my podcast uh, Filmcast also recommended it. 
Uh, either of you guys check out Physical 100 yet? Not yet, but it's on the list. Yeah. yeah. I, this is the first time I've heard about it, so I have not checked it out. Either. It has been in my, my carousel on Netflix a lot. It's been so much movies. to watch. You have to check it out. Uh, if you'd like to have your parting gift read on the show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. We appreciate it. All right. That's it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Scott L. Clark and Lana Bashinsky for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those fun bumpers. Our theme song was composed by White Cube. That is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. We appreciate that from them. Thank you for listening. Thanks to our patrons for supporting the show. We could not make it without them. Patreon.com slash DLCpod is where you become one. And our top-tier patrons, our hype-trained patrons, get their names read out at the end of every episode. I'm going to do that right now. Dearest hype-trained patrons, thank you so much for supporting this show. It, it means the world to us, and it is my great honor to read the names this week. Thank you, Taylor Wigert, Josh Peake, Nick Strauss-Klein, Michael Stadler, Jackson, Travis... Soren Silk, which I'll be honest, every every time I read that, I think like, when do we are we going to get Silk Song? Right? Like, wh- it was within twelve months from the Xbox Showcase, and it's like I feel like I have the calendar. Is what which Simpsons is it where Bart's just like crossing off the? Anyway, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Yick, Zachary White, Nate, Jenny, Scott Hughes, Jimmy Radcliffe, Mitchell Ness, Jeff. Luxac, Matt Bradley, Victor Venezuela, Cheesy Bob, Hank Patton, Rob Rixman, Riley Knox, Kyle Starr, Michael S., Relentless Rex, Curtis from Louisville, Comedian Aaron Trahan, Sharuken, Scott Lambert, Joe D. Frank, Stephen, Cypher, Taylor, Buckwild, Brode, Rob, Wonder Rob, Dominez, Kevin, Ed A, Brian Jordan, Hyperboy66, David Epp, John Sisko, Matt Valdez, Andy Joyce, Anthony Gulas, Dan Flanagan, Sasan, Adam Demby, Scooby Diesel, Jonathan Talbert, Chris Zacharias, Will, with one Al Harris, Jonathan Putney, Mark Gowland, Malcolm King, Dan Palmino, Ben, Kevin Brazil, Stu Goss, Jonathan, the Spice Man Forever, Schlepplefer, Albert for Helder Dios, the Spice Man Silencer, who Mark for Marketing got silenced today, too. I just don't know what he would have added to the conversation, but I do feel I see the call waiting from him often. So maybe maybe next week Mark will show up. I, I, there's a lot of marketing talk to happen. Mike Lombardo, Michael Buck, Peter Olberg, Jad, Christian Bravery, Octavian Ratsiu, Jason Novak. Thank you all so much. Chew, chew, chew. I mean, this is the only place the hype train exists now with E3 going the way it's... No, I made the prediction that E3 would be great this year, Jeff. I did, so I'm standing by it. It's going to be great. Chew, chew, baby. All right, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.